Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Star Bros Podcast. It is wonderful to be with you around this holiday time. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is that you celebrate. Hope that you're having a wonderful holiday season. I am joined by my bro host, Jan Solo. And I'm joined by my bro host, Ben Skywalker. And we are very excited to be with you to talk about, at the fifth anniversary of this movie, The Force Awakens, on our episode that is going to be called Wake Up and Smell the Force, right? (laughs) I came up with that all by myself last night at 11 o'clock. I'm I'm so witty, even when I'm very tired. Um, How are you doing, bro? I'm great, dude. We, um, We just had some Christmas cookies. Uh, we had a good Way dinner, but then we had some Christmas cookies and some sweets and stuff because uh, it's that time of year. It's Christmas Eve Eve when we're recording this, Yep. and we had some Christmas music on, and we got into the spirit. So uh, we were joking before that hopefully we don't have a big sugar crash in the middle of this episode, but I don't think we will. I think we're excited to talk about The Force Awakens. I reined it in quite a bit, and I've been eating so much sugar my whole life that I never have <laughs> sugar crashes anymore. It's just okay. a constant stream of sugar. <laughs> Okay. My dentist loves me. Um, yeah, that that is all accurate, I can attest. And nothing brings in the holidays more than watching Star Wars. And more specifically, watching The Force Awakens. Because yes. that's really where our Star Wars at Christmas started, I feel. Yeah, and I was telling you right before we started that this movie has the strongest like sentimental association in my mind with Christmas. Yeah. So when, when I think about The Force Awakens, I think about Christmas time. And I'm transported back to December of 2015, when you know the holiday season's building up and people are shopping and people are decorating their trees and stuff and in the background everywhere you go there were posters for the force awakens uh television commercials radio ads it was everywhere and the hype was just building and building and building and for me in my mind to this day it's just really intertwined with christmas time well correct me if i'm wrong what was the actual date that it came out was it december 20th uh it was it was an even number i think it was the 18th or the 20th it might have been the 20th that's pretty late though, right? That's like right before Christmas. Well, that's what I'm saying. It was like right around the time where it's like, all right, well, in a few days we are going to get Christmas. Yeah. Like it wasn't that much time to prepare for huh. it. Yeah, it was it was definitely in the latter half of December, but before Christmas. So it was somewhere somewhere in there. We will double check our facts right now. But yeah, and to be completely honest, I think we've kept to that tradition, even if you consider the fact that The Mandalorian was still going on as of a week ago. Yeah. And that's kind of enough around the holidays for it to count, I would say. Yeah. And based on an announcement that we'll get to here in a moment as part of the news, we're going to keep that tradition going next year with 2021. So the only year that we didn't get any Star Wars around Christmas, at least in this modern generation of Star Wars, was 2018. Yeah. Because Solo came out in May that year. Right. That's right. So we didn't get anything until The Rise of Skywalker last year. And it was a bummer then, <laughs> and it'll be a bummer anytime we have to get through the Christmas time without a, a Star Wars movie or something to look forward to. Yeah. The, the only hard part about it this time, again, like is the case with most time, is we're not going to be getting any live action, I think, at least mm-hmm. content from Star Wars until December of next year. Right. We're going to have to wait a full year from now, which is going to be tough, but um, at the same time, there's plenty to be excited about. Yeah. There's plenty to speculate about. Little things are going to start to come out. We'll get uh, trailers. We're going to get yeah. some more details about these shows because you know, we'll, we'll get to this in the news, but we don't have anything to go on at this point. Right. And as we get fed little bits of information, it's going to get really exciting. And it's a good time to go back and look at all the other content or to discover some of the content that we haven't discovered yet. Like we're still getting into the comics more and we're still getting into uh, some of the books and, the books. and things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it's a good time to kind of catch up on all that stuff. Right. Uh, hopefully... 
COVID and the being at home anyway has helped us in some way, shape, or form in that way. The silver sure. linings that we're all trying to find. Yep, yep. But, you know, we're going to have another year of that until we get the next chapter. So we just need to get right into it because I, I there's think we a do. lot I think, to cover. I think we're already getting into it. So. <laughs> we did. We didn't even mean to. Uh, yeah, so hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Let's just get right yeah, into man. it. Yeah, man. News from across the galaxy. Segment one, the Ta-da. news. There was some good news this, this time news. around. Tons of news. Last time we covered the fact that Lucasfilm kind of subtly announced that we're going to be doing a Disney Investor Day. Oh, it wasn't Lucasfilm. It was Disney, and Lucasfilm was going to be part of it. And there were going to be a lot of new announcements, and that was really all that we had to go off of. And we recorded that the night before that Investor Day and then released the episode going, we have no idea what's going to happen. We already knew the news. Right. So we're going to cover that because that was huge. It's huge. Everything and that we got. I couldn't even believe how many projects. What did they promise? 10 new projects at least? 10. And then they revealed, and we'll get into this as well, uh, the Book of Boba Fett, which is going to be a miniseries. And that's that's number 11. And I was kind of expecting one or two things, and I was expecting them to be feature films. So I thought maybe some news about Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Yeah. I don't know where that is. That seems to be kind of um, tucked away, maybe in limbo. I don't know. There or, or... was, I don't know. There was this really cryptic kind of interview of Ryan a few months ago, I want to say. Right, where he, he said something, right? He said basically he doesn't even know where it is. Ah, uh, okay. And that tells you a lot right there that you know, maybe this isn't happening anymore. Maybe it's one of those things that's, all right, let's just wait and see. You go do some projects, Brian, and, and build some some great rapport, and we'll pick this back up later. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll just wait for it to fizzle. It, it was kind of... It might be part of that era of of all the Star Wars we would have gotten if, you know, Benioff and Weiss would have stayed on or, uh, you know, because okay. you got, there was just this, in this revolving door for a while, you yeah. know, maybe it's part of that. I don't know. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. The horizon looks good, though, from mm-hmm. everything that they did share. Sure. And a lot of it has to do with the timeline in between the trilogy, the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. But then there are also going to be some pieces that were in the High Republic era. So we're going all the way across the, the timeline. We don't, we don't seem to be going into the future yet, though, yeah, past keep, Rise of Skywalker. I, I keep thinking about that. That That's like, uh, I don't know, that seems like it's rich with opportunity. Like, there's a lot of stories to tell there, but we're just not touching it yet. Yeah, and, and again, I think it's because you got to let everything, uh, all, all the sands need to fall where they need to fall after this sequel trilogy uh, has been sitting on everyone's shelves in mind for a good decade or so. And then I think you could probably pick it up. Yeah. You know, see where it goes. If you want to bring the cast back or if you want to introduce some new characters, you can yeah. kind of figure it out then. More to come. But what did we get? We got, first of all, the biggest news I think is going is what the next movie is going to be. Mm-hmm. And we heard that that is going to be Rogue Squadron. And is going to be directed by Patty Jenkins, mm-hmm. who is known for Wonder Woman, uh, mostly, and I think a, f- a few other things. But I mean, that's that's the biggest thing that she's known for right now is she's in charge of the Wonder Woman franchise and did a pretty good job with the first one. Second one's about to come out. Well, I've heard mixed reviews so far, but that should be exciting. Yeah. Uh, and, and it should be really cool because it's. I think there's always these pockets of Star Wars that you can dive into. The Jedi have gotten all the attention for so long, mm-hmm. but there's droids there's the underworld, right? The crime underworld uh, that's really fun to explore. And this is going to kind of explore what the video game squadrons, which I actually just finished tonight. uh, Cool. 
I'm, I'm excited about that. It's a big accomplishment for me. Um, not really, but uh, <laughs> um, I really downplayed that, didn't I? But it, it's kind of exploring that world, which is the the piloting world. Yeah, of Star Wars, which is exciting. I don't know. What do you think of that one? Dude, I, I think it's cool, but we don't have a ton to go off of, right? Like, we're no. not exactly sure when that's going to take place. We have a title, um, and we have a, we have a director. The, the way that they did the art for the title is pretty evocative. I think, you know, it's, it's like the silhouette of an X-Wing. And so we, we get yeah. a sense of, you know, we're going to be looking at the good guys and it could be a Top Gun-ish type movie. We don't know. But that the good news is that's going to be uh, coming out around Christmas time. So Christmas 2023. Yes. So we, we do have a Star Wars Christmas movie to look forward to or Christmas time Star Wars movie, I should yes. say. It's not it's not a Christmas theme movie. Although I don't know. What if? <laughs> maybe <laughs> all right maybe like will find its way in there yeah rogue is the word for red in french rouge squadron rouge. that seems like a very different movie and red would be a very different movie rouge i was just squadron. gonna say red is the color of christmas so that was my connection we were expecting the rogue squadron we got the rouge squadron <laughs> somewhere there's the color vert in there too la la. red and green squadron <laughs> And now it's Christmas, everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> but we got a while to wait. 2023. Yeah, it's it's, it's a while, but I, I, I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. Um, I'm sure. But in the meantime, we get uh, a whole ton, uh, a glut of TV shows and miniseries, apparently. Well, before that, there's one more movie project, which is Taika's. Taika's movie. Which yep. we got nothing about. We know nothing about it. He tweeted something recently, too. Did you see this? No. Um, I, I think to the Investor Day news, he responded to it and said... What did he say? He said something to the effect of the, the pre-complaining thing that we were talking about. Yeah. He said something to the effect of, I'm so excited, it's a shame that I'm going to ruin Star Wars for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Taika. Some, something to the effect of that. Because he's, he's self-aware enough to know, okay, I can't make everybody happy. And in fact, I'm probably going to really upset some people just by yeah. the fact that it's a Star Wars movie, not exactly how they pictured it in their heads. Um, and <laughs> when, so he's, he's, he's appropriately addressing that right off the bat. Good. And in, in, in perfect Tycho fashion. Yes. Uh, when he came out with Thor, uh-huh. uh, was working on Thor Ragnarok in, in the middle of uh, production, who I, he tweeted out something to the to the directors of uh, you know some other movies. I want to say James Gunn might have been one of the audiences on that. And he's like, so how many explosions is too many explosions for one movie? <laughs> something like that. And they, they landed ask. on some outlandish number. <laughs> um, it's just, just Taika being Taika. This is what he does, guys. You should be excited about that. Dude, I love that. That's great. Yeah, I, I don't know what he's going to do with it, but it's going to be unique. It's going to be so him. And I'm on board for whatever he does. The quote from Kennedy was fresh, unexpected, and unique. Hmm. Just like you said. Okay. So yeah. be looking forward to that. Like an 80s vibe or something. Who yeah. Knows? And by the way, what a turnaround year for her, right? Like a lot of people mm-hmm. were ready to... Like, there's, I think there's literally petitions out there to remove her from her role mm-hmm. at Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, for anybody who doesn't know, is the president of Lucasfilm. Yep. She's basically um, in, in, in the captain's seat. Essentially, she is the authority that signs off on them creating anything, putting anything Star Wars out there in the universe. And anything Lucasfilm does, too. Yeah, the non-Star anything, anything Wars project, too. Does. Right. And so a lot of people have been really critical about the direction she's taken it in and the content that they've produced the last few years and so on. But now all of a sudden people are like, okay, she's like, she's now cranking out content that people are really excited about um yeah so i i'm i never really lost faith 
uh, I never really looked at that part of things that closely. Like I, I mostly look at the content and I just want to know what's the story that we're getting into now. Who are these characters? But a lot of people are sort of watching you know, the business of it. The, the business leadership and so on. And some people were critical and now they're kind of turning around, I think. Yeah. I, and I would say I was part of the camp originally that I, I've loved the content that has come out. I have no critiques on the content. Well, okay. Maybe not. No, but I, I've, I've really enjoyed what's come out. It's more of the management of it. Like there, it, it seems very sloppy behind the scenes. You know, you had star, or you had rogue one where you heard that the, um, the director was kind of sidelined for some of the uh, reshoots yeah, that stuff, or, yeah. You had the firing of the solo directors and questioning, like, why were they hired to begin with? I mean, mm-hmm. they, they were hired because they have great names, but if you didn't like their style, then why did you hire them? And then you had the Trevorrow issue. So, like, and then Benioff and Weiss, it was just the management yeah. of it that seemed really messy. Yeah. And the message has probably gotten through, which is get control of that, get your creative content or your creative team to be the right team that works for you and for Lucasfilm and move forward with that, whoever it is. Yeah. And, and that's really the only critique I've ever had of her. I th- And I think she's going to fix that and still create some great content and hopefully better content as a result of some of that. But th- that is, I think that's a fair critique. It's not one that's like, I'm a, I'm not a signer of the petition. I just want to make sure she's doing what she, you know, producing good t- content. All right. Anyway, let's move on to the next show that was... Not announced, because we already had this one, but a little extra detail that was announced. And that, and that was the Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, yeah. Where we heard that Hayden Christensen, yeah. the actor that played Anakin Skywalker in the prequels, is going to be reprising his role mm-hmm. and coming back within this miniseries, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. What was your reaction to that when you heard that? Dude, I think it's really cool, but you know they've aged a little bit, so I'm not exactly sure where they're putting it on the timeline. Did they, did they disclose that? Uh, it, it's during his time on Tatooine, I think. Ah, so once he's in exile, yeah, I would imagine that means that I don't know. I, I mean, Hayden's going to be in the Darth Vader costume, which I think a lot of people are like, "Is he tall enough for that?" Mm. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Or there's there's a couple of issues with that, and one of the biggest there's Hollywood dis- magic they can do. Yeah, it's, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's more the, the question I have is there's this continuity error if if you have him come back and fight Obi-Wan or something. Isn't there going to be? Because remember the line in episode four where he said, where Darth Vader says, when you left, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Mm-hmm. Right? That was, or, you know, the last time we were together. It's like, okay, so they haven't been together since then? And since Mustafar. Since Mustafar? Assu- assuming, yeah, but so maybe they're sort of running in parallel, but then Kathleen Kennedy's had a line, right, where she said something about it, it'll be the greatest rematch in the galaxy? Yeah. So The rematch where we know that both of them survive because they have to. They must. But, it, okay, so it just leaves a lot of questions. I have no doubt. I'm happy that Hayden Christensen's coming back and taking on, it, it's, to me, it's kind of his way of getting the last laugh. Like, I think he got a lot of criticism for his acting in the prequels, and some of it justified, some of it maybe not. So this is his opportunity to kind of come back and say, no, here's here's what I have left to tell in this character's story. So yeah. I, I like that. I'm really excited to see him come back. Yeah, I, I feel good about that, too. And I, I, I feel bad for the guy for getting that criticism. I think a lot of it was unwarranted and unfair. But if you think back to, like, the late 90s and early 2000s, his... He had some heat, as they say. His star was rising. He was a A-lister or like a borderline Hollywood A-lister. 
and he was booking big movies and he was doing big stuff. Yeah. And then he sort of faded and he hasn't been around in a while. But the thing that, that kind of sticks with me about him is, you know, he, he's on that convention circuit. He does a lot of like comic cons and things like that where you can pose for a picture with him. And everybody says, and I'm, I'm sure that there are examples to the contrary, but everybody says he's a super nice dude. Yeah. And if, if he is a super nice dude to regular people, then like, I don't know, there's just something in me that wants to see him be successful. Oh, totally. And and I've heard the same about Ewan McGregor too. Apparently he's a lovely guy. If you run into him somewhere, he's apparently very polite and he seems like a nice dude. So I don't know. I'm, I'm happy for those guys that they're booking big work. I hope it does good things for their careers, honestly. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm looking forward to that one a lot. That should be coming next summer Yeah, is what I think we've heard, 2022. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be filming throughout the next year. Next so year, yeah. Lots to look forward with that one. But yeah, it, it could be just old Ben Kenobi sitting in his desert igloo. His rocker on, on <laughs> Tatooine. <laughs> Watching daytime television. <laughs> oh, um, there goes another speeder. Oh, look, there's the Tusken Raiders again. Who are they going after now? Oh, who cares? Right. Just yeah, like <laughs> this is a as long as they stay off my lawn. Like <laughs> one of those guys. Stay off my sand. <laughs> this is my sand. This is where my rock grows. But dude, I'm sure they'll make something cool of it. But it does have, um, It's it's got to work with that because we're picturing those being the boring years, right? Yeah. Like yeah. We we're not picturing those being those the exciting years, but I guess we'll find out. No, we're, I, I imagine there's going to be a lot of great adventure. Hopefully yeah. some more surprises along the way. So uh, next two series that are coming are from our friends Favaroni, or whatever mm-hmm. they're being, Favro and Filoni. Favaroni. Favaroni? Favaroni. Favaroni. I don't know. This is all made up anyway. <laughs> it's all made up. What am I correcting you for? There's no real thing there. Nothing there. I mean, I'll take the correction if that's really what it's supposed to Jean be. Jean Favreloni of Rouge Squadron. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm not going to live that one down. Um, well, this is what they're going to produce. Not Rouge Squadron, the antithesis to Ru- Rogue Squadron. I can't even say it right now. Ahsoka, mm-hmm. which you kind of saw coming. Yeah. That's exciting. We're going to get an actual, again, mini limited series, I think is how it's being called. Uh, but again, executive produced by Filoni and Favreau, and then Rangers of the New Republic. Yeah, and I don't, I, I have no idea what that is. I, I mean, I think it's just, what's his name? Trapper Wolf? Trapper Wolf, and his sidekick who's really cool too, but I can't remember his name right now. Me neither, but Trapper Wolf better be in it at some point. Yeah. Which, for those who don't know, that's Filoni's character. Yep, the, the X-Men pilot. I don't think he has any lines in the second season. Maybe he did, I can't remember now. Hmm. I don't know. We'll go back and find out. Yep. Which that's on the docket for me is going back and, and listening to some or, or rewatching the rest of season two because I just they just kinda came out so fast I just couldn't yeah. keep up and go back and rewatch them. So I'm gonna do that. Yeah. Next that, that that that's a really good activity between like the Christmas and New Year's time where you have a little bit of a break. Yeah. So those will be coming soon. Cool. Uh, I can't remember the dates they gave, but those that all sounds great. Lando. Yeah. That's cool. And that's another one where it's like, all right, character we know well, yeah, character we're really fond of, um, but we don't know what to expect from the story or the casting. Right. Like, is Donald Glover going to come back? I would love that. I hope so. I think it's set before New Hope, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So they could do young Lando. They could do a young Lando again. 
I don't know. We'll uh, we'll we'll find out more details will emerge. There wasn't much that was said about that one. Yeah. Remind uh, remind me. I finished uh, volume one of the Lando comic, and I'll give that to you before. Oh, thank you. Before you leave. Yeah. yeah. It was a good one. Looking forward to that one. Uh, Andor. They kind of just did it. We nothing new that was announced about this other than that they're in production now. Yeah. Uh, they did a little sizzle reel. I think is what they call it. Sizzle. They show you some of the behind the scenes and what they got planned, but there's no mm. content really to show you yet mm-hmm. because they haven't really recorded that much. So that one's coming. Uh, the Acolyte. Yes. This was the Leslie Headland uh, when she was announced that she was coming in to, to produce a series. This ended up being the one that she's going to be doing, and it's going to be set in the High Republic. Oh, cool. So it's our first one coming from that era in live action form, at least. We'll get some content, some comics that will be coming out soon. So I'm not sure if that's going to be tied in as well. Something cool to look forward to there, too. Yeah. Wh- what do people know her from? Because people, people love her. Uh, I don't know it. It's called The Russian Doll. Okay, it's a TV show, I think. I think it's a TV show. Okay. That was the main thing that she was known for. I don't know what else than that. I see. Okay, because the, the, um, the Twitters were ablaze with people. Is it called, when you send something, is it called Twittering? <laughs> something like that. So people people were... Um, Tweeting. They were Twittering memes. Is it pronounced memes? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jan. So, <laughs> But people were just um, retweeting pictures of her and just like just flipping out with joy and excitement. And I realized like I don't actually know her work. People are really pumped. That's that's really cool. I'm excited. I'm excited to get to know her work. But um, I, I felt bad because I, I, I'm not familiar with it. No, I mean, neither. So there's something for us to look forward to there and, and learning what she's capable of and maybe learning some of the stuff that she's already done so we can see what we're in for. But as you know, with most of these people, when they come over, like they, they come into the universe, they bring their creative side with them, but they stay true to what got right. them into film to begin with, which was Star Wars. Yeah. A lot of them talk about that. Like Star yeah. Wars is what got me into this. And so it's good to see them like come and play in the sandbox that got them excited to even come into this career anyway. Yeah. And that, that's kind of what her, it's, they kept retweeting re, re, a quote from her. And that was kind of the gist of it was somebody asked her, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? And she said, I don't have a favorite Star Wars movie. I just love Star Wars. And yes. she put it in a much more eloquent way. And just uh, it sort of summed up the feeling of, hey, I'm immersed in this universe as a fan. And I love all of it. Yeah. And I'm going to have a chance to make something here. But uh, I don't know if I have a favorite movie, which I thought was cool. It didn't reduce it to like, all right, we'll pick one of these things. It was really sort of like, no, I'm, I'm into this whole thing. Which, and then which got we me can excited. all criticize why she chose that one or something for the, yeah. you know. That, that was smart of her, too, to stay away from that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyone that's capable of that. Oh, man, we are not done. Uh, the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. That was one that we already had. But I think the thing that we were excited to get to know was that it was going to take place post order 66 uh which should be exciting this is an animated series uh, that'll be coming to disney mm-hmm. plus um it's kind of in the wake of clone wars yeah. and the, the bad batch was introduced at the end of clone wars in season seven uh and a lot of people like them it's just these really unique uh, they're not the typical clone troopers they are almost allowed to be modified a bit mm-hmm. and so they're they're not your typical clones. So, and, and they each kind of had their own thing. They're, there's a special unit that goes across doing all these crazy different uh, tasks that are assigned to them. So now it'll be interesting to see what they do in an empire world yeah, instead of a uh, clone wars world. So uh, uh, very interesting what that'll turn out to be. Um, Visions, an animated series, uh, an, sorry, anime series. Yeah. And uh, I, if I remember correctly, 
there's no one sort of overarching story. It's going to be more like vignettes or single episode stories of just like, uh, you know, just bits and pieces of the universe that we know with maybe characters who only get for like 30 minutes at a time or something. But somebody at Lucasfilm tweeted, you guys are not ready for this one, (laughs) which gets me excited because I feel like it's going to be something really different and really unique. I'm excited for that because it's it's venturing into a, a medium that we haven't seen Star Wars in yet. Right? Anime? Right. The, there, there are Star Wars manga, the comic books, but as far as I know, there's no Star Wars anime ever been made. Yeah, that's exciting to me. And I'm not an anime person. Me neither. I'm, I'm, I'm totally ignorant on the subject. I, I will be happy to jump into this and learn a little bit more yeah, about it. True. Personally. So that's another one. Uh, and then there were the last one. A droid story. Mm. I don't think we got too many details on other than that a new hero will be introduced and then we'll have C-3PO and R2-D2 there. Yeah. And and some people have been speculating that uh, there may be some tie-ins there that will be really satisfying to some of the other content that we've gotten recently. So there might be a R2-D2 uh, meets Grogu at the Jedi Academy like episode or something like that. So Sign um, me up. We, we, we have nothing to go off of that, that makes us think that that's true, but obviously the droids are an important part. We have a whole droids episode. The droids are a really important part of the story, and um, they're there for the really important things that happen in the Star- the Skywalker saga or whatever, you know, the High Republic stuff, whatever. So maybe it'll be a little bit from their perspective. Maybe it'll be a little bit of their unique perspective and uh, the fact that they're around for the longer than typical lifespan, and they can be... They're at the side of the throne for, you know, different generations of emperors and things like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. Could be really cool. Could be really, really cool. But uh, the, all these things, like, it's, it's just pure speculation now because we just don't know. It is. But what is the thing that we take away from this? There is going to be something for everybody. That That's it. That, yeah. There's well, more well to the put. galaxy than just the de- Jedi. Right? Most of these, except for Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, deal with non-Jedi characters, right? True. Unless, sure. unless some more details come out. And, and not that they won't like crisscross a little bit, kind of like we've gotten with a few things with Mandalorian. Like It's definitely intersected with Grogu and, and things like yeah. that. So there's going to be elements of the Force that are still in there, but it's going to tell stories from these other areas of the galaxy. Because it's funny because a, a lot of these, as we'll talk about with Force Awakens in a minute, there are areas of the galaxy that really think that some of these things are myths that... They didn't happen because they didn't personally get impacted by it. The galaxy is that vast and large. Like mm-hmm. that war happened over there. Okay, I, I heard about that. It it made the news one night, <laughs> but I didn't know if it was true or if it was just propaganda. Like this is the galaxy that they live in, and so there's so many other stories that are worth telling. Yeah. So it's exciting that we're gonna get them. Yes. Anyway, let's move on from all those great announcements. Unless you have anything else to share. N- not on that subject. No. Let's talk about the other other tantalizing pieces of news that we got, which was new Mandalorian episodes, just briefly, the oh, stuff that we gosh. did get. Uh, we got the Believer first, and then the Rescue. Yeah. So tell us, what do you think of these episodes? Well, first, it, it does feel like these last two episodes were, were kind of the final act of season two. These were chapters 15 and 16 of the overall story. And and basically, it's it's just the, the lead up to the Rescue of Grogu, which then turns into the handing over of Grogu with a lot of complications and drama and action along the way. But yeah, that was a long couple of weeks. I I saw a meme after chapter 14 where 
we, we basically close out chapter 14 with Grogu being in the brig on the light cruiser where he's locked up and he is put into uh, these little child-sized shackles. And the meme was a stormtrooper basically saying to himself, get the child-sized shackles? Are we the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> when did we become the bad guys? <laughs> right. But... Gosh, we get a ton of stuff that I thought was really emotional. Like I, I and yes. I, I tweeted something that was something to the effect of like, you know, Favreau and Filoni have shown us that Star Wars can do what I think it it, it kind of did for me when I was a kid, and and what it is doing for me again, which is like really kind of tugs on the heartstrings in a really nice way. Yeah. Um. Really tender moments towards the end of this one. Really complicating factors. But uh, we're going to spend a ton of time digging into season two. But ultimately, like this is an emotional roller coaster that seems to have ended well, yep. but with some baggage. Oh, yeah. Lots of baggage that we have to unpack. And look, we're going to get into some spoilers now, just so that everybody knows. Uh, hit pause or you know, skip ahead a few minutes and, and get to the next segment if you'd like. But... There are a couple of pieces that we have to talk about. Not to discount The Believer. It's a fantastic episode. I loved it. But the biggest pieces came out of uh, the last episode, The Rescue, where we get Luke back. That's the biggest one. Like Luke is the Jedi that comes and responds to Grogu, which to me, again, I don't want to say I told you so because I don't think I did. But I always felt like it has to be Luke. There's nobody else that should come. Ahsoka coming would be great. It could work. You could pull that off. But the best person to come back would be Luke because that's his goal right now is to find the Jedi across the galaxy, the Force-sensitive beings across the galaxy and bring them in to train the next group of Jedi. Yeah. And that's what Grogu is. So he should come back, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And the fact that... But I think the thing that always made us say, no, it's not going to be that, is because how would you get him back? Yeah, And we all forgot about this technology which they used in Rogue One and all these other places of de-aging. Yeah. And it was perfect. It worked well. I thought I, I loved it. I was so happy with that. I was grinning from ear to ear. Oh, as yeah. I it was terrific. That. Yeah, it was terrific. Um, and I told you, like, I, I, I was in disbelief, like, halfway through that scene where yeah. the X-Wing pulls up and I'm thinking, well, it's that's pretty cool. I wonder who it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you see, you know, the green saber. And I'm like, well, that's a coincidence. And then, and then the thing that got me was the uh, the gloved hand. Mm. And that's when I started to think, like, wow, they maybe they really did it. Maybe it's really going to be Luke, because for me, I my speculation was it was going to be a new Jedi, who was just sort of off in some corner of the galaxy in the outer rim somewhere who we haven't met before. Yeah. And then they're gonna uh, build up this guy or girl for the next season or upcoming seasons. But no, I they made it work really well. The scene where he's hacking through the dark troopers <laughs> and we're kind of watching it partly through security cameras and partly actually there first, with him. Yeah. Fantastic. So cool. So, so, so cool. So well executed. So well done. And the then slow reveal, you know, like the, the X-Men first. And yes. I will say, like, I was pretty sure it was Luke by this time I saw the X-Wing because I just went, there's only one X-Wing that is so confident to fly around the galaxy all by himself. Mm-hmm. And that's Luke. Yeah. So it has to be him. Yeah. But then every little detail that was revealed, the lightsaber, the hilt of the lightsaber, the uh, the glove on the hand I picked up on that too. Yeah. It was like just adding pieces to the puzzle that made the grin go wider and wider every yeah. time. So loved that. 
And then, as if you know, we didn't have enough shows that were announced, we got the other piece at the very end. They decided to pull a Marvel and throw in an end credit scene, yep. which was Fennec Shan coming in to a fattened up bib Fortuna. And it's good take, to be the king. What's that? It's good to be the king. It's great to be. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and taking over and, and installing Boba on the, on the throne to be the new crime lord. Yeah. And you know what I was thinking? So I, I, I just rewatched that. So I watched chapter 16 really early in the morning on, on the Friday that it came out. And then I didn't watch it again for a few days. <laughs> uh, like in the, in the immortal words of Michael Scott, I was ready to be heard again. <laughs> and so I finally sat down and I watched it and I, I looked at everything a little bit more closely with the opportunity to ha- look through the eyes of somebody who's digested this for a few days. And I was looking at the the back of the throne that Boba sits on and the back of the throne has script on it that looks very similar to the script that is on the logo for the Ahsoka show. Oh. And it's not like, Arabesh or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. It, it looks a little bit different. It almost looks like Tolkien runes. Hmm. I'm, I'm sure it's some version of... Is it Arabesh? I think so, yeah. Is that how you say it? Um, I think it's some version of that, but I wonder if anybody's translated that. Uh, it, Had to have. It, if it's uh, possible. I think so. I think I saw someone translate it, and I, I, I read through it, and I honestly, I don't remember now. Uh, that's what happens when your brain turns 30. Uh, <laughs> not right, not 30, 30-something, mid-30s. <laughs> Uh, no, I just gave away my age range. Um, anyway, that would be really cool to know what it says though. Let's yeah. find that out and, and share it. Let's yeah, get if, it back if, on If track. somebody knows, let us know, um, you know, tweet us at Starburst podcast or, you know, find some other way. Just come over and knock on my door and let me know. Yeah. Um, take it all. But yeah, it was I, like that caught my eye. Don't really, like, you don't really want people coming and knocking on your door. No, no, no. Go knock on Ben's door and then Ben will text <laughs> Tell me. him. I'll, I'll answer be like, I'm dealing with free screaming children right now. What do you want? <laughs> Dark side's coming out. But yeah, it just it jumped out at me. It's like, okay, it looks really similar. So I, I wonder I wonder if there's any connection. I wonder what it says. I wonder if it means anything. Um, and maybe it doesn't. Maybe it, it's just... But I, I feel like Favreau and Filoni are just so deliberate about stuff that it probably does mean something. Favreau Yeah. Favreau They did something cool there. But the big announcement, right, was... That we're going to get a Boba Fett series. Yep. The book of Boba Fett yep. is going to be the 11th uh, piece of content between miniseries, series, everything else that they're planning right now. And it's the one that they didn't reveal on Investor Day. Right. Uh, because they wanted to save that surprise for the people that actually made it all the way through and watched uh, Chapter 16 of The Mandalorian. Special request from Favreau yeah. to do that. And, and, and they followed through on it and... They, they managed to keep that a secret, and they managed to keep uh, Luke's appearance in Chapter 16 of The Mandalorian a secret, which is really, really impressive. Because I, I saw Favreau gave a interview on Good Morning America this week, where he talked about, uh, amongst other things, the fact that a bunch of stuff did leak about the season of The Mandalorian. Oh, tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. So Which we, was a good distraction from this one. Yeah. If I'm being honest. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. But... It seems like he and the rest of the the staff were pretty worried that this was going to leak out. That it sounds like they they did a good job of containing it by not sharing it with too many people. I mean, that's a great way to ensure that it doesn't come out is limit the number of people who know. But like Rosario Dawson being Ahsoka, like we knew about yeah. that like in January or something. Yeah, like that that Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan Boba Fett. Uh, a lot of that stuff was out for a while. 
And I'll be the first to admit this. I, I thought it was all nonsense. And I was yeah. like, you have nothing to go on. This is pure speculation. But it was a genuine leak and it was confirmed. Um, all those things were confirmed through the course of the season. But somehow this stuff didn't get out, which is really impressive. And I'm glad for it because I got to be surprised. Everyone did. And that was what we needed. Yeah. And that's why you don't want leaks. You don't want spoilers. You just want to go in with fresh perspective. Yeah. Avoid all that. It's really hard to do now in the day and age of social media. But yeah, that's the maybe too much to ask for. But that's our Christmas present for 2021. Yeah, I'm, Star I'm, Wars. I'm excited for that. Like that could be really cool. And again, we don't really know where that story is going to go. Yeah, we, we don't really don't know because it's it, it's a it's a character shift for Boba Fett. It to to suddenly desire power and desire a throne, and uh, it seems like uh, you know we we talked about again in our episode called Three Heroes and a Slug" a bunch of different characters, and we talked about. Jabba and we learned through some of the stuff on Wikipedia and other things that Jabba's responsible or his his crime enterprise is responsible for like 90% of the economy on Tatooine. So all of a sudden, I guess Boba Fett is assuming that responsibility from the late Bib Fortuna and now he is a crime boss, he's a business leader, he is a uh, a despot, he's all those things and I didn't know he wanted to be those things. So I don't know where this is going. But I have a feeling it's not going to be boring. I have a feeling it's going to be great. And it's going to be one of those, I, I think, maybe one of our first more amoral character-led series. Mm. And that's really interesting to me where you're not going to... And maybe, the, actually, I would strike that. Mandalorian probably started out that way. Yeah. If it was, it kind of felt like it was that way. Yeah, a little bit. Because you're following a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Well, this is your first bounty hunter made crime lord that is more of that amoral character and we always thought he was a villain this kind of says yeah he he really is kind of on the, the fringe you know but, and so, but, but in a complicated way it's in a very complicated way just straight up bad guy i mean he's he's had a hard life mm-hmm. right he, he watched his father get beheaded young and then just turned to a life of crime to just stay alive and that's what most of the galaxy does they're just finding ways to survive and and make their way in the galaxy yep that's really it so you get this great, you're going to have this great series led by an amoral character and to see what comes of that, the, the character development that happens to Boba Do, or who knows. By the way, I think it's funny that, I, I think it's crappy that people like body shamed Boba Fett. Yeah. Did you, did you catch some of that stuff? I heard about it. I ignored it. Where it was like, uh, Boba Fett dad bod, his armor doesn't even fit. You should go to the gym or whatever. That's my voice of people on Twitter. <laughs> you should go to the gym. <laughs> and then immediately people are like, well, Bib Fortuna's fat. <laughs> like, that was hilarious to me. That's what you do. The first thing I thought when was, don't sit in that chair. You will get fat. Look right. what happened there's, to Java. Something, it's a comfy seat. It's, it's like the most comfy lazy boy in the galaxy. You just let yourself go. <laughs> oh, that's that's You have to do it. Uh, but I think that one was on purpose. Like Bib Fortuna's uh, head tails, his leku, like that was designed by the the people at Disney Lucasfilm to make him look like he gained weight, like to make him look like he he got plump sitting on that throne and running 90% of the economy on Tatooine. But I thought it was funny that people immediately were like, they forgot about Tamara Morrison being a 60-year-old man who is in great shape, obviously. He's doing stunts and punching, jumping, kicking, whatever. And then people were just like, oh, Bib Fortuna's fat. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> 
about half of the people that have said that more than half have gained a little bit of weight this year too because of the pandemic we're all sitting inside just eating right (laughs) right now now it's the holidays and we're just stuffing our faces to sort of cope with the emotional turmoil exactly Uh, so what are we doing pointing and shaming for that jesus All right, we need to move on to the thing. It's like he's an alien. Like <laughs> you don't know what the right weight for a Twi'lek is, right? You don't know like what if their BMI scale is the same. Yeah, maybe there's something out there. I'm I'm gonna start a Tumblr page for body positivity for Twi'leks, just people, <laughs> so they love and accept themselves to counteract I'll be your first follower. <laughs> My last, and your only. <laughs> That's All amazing. Right. Um, All right. Anything else on the news? No. Actually, really... one one thing. Uh, yeah, okay. A little bit of a counterpoint to the fun conversation we're having is that, uh, and, and it wraps up the Boba Fett story in a way, oh, is yeah. um, uh, Jeremy Bullock, the actor who portrayed Boba Fett uh, in the suit on on the big screen, has passed away. And, and I don't know, it feels, to me, it feels a little bit poetic that Boba Fett kind of got his moment again right before Jim, Jeremy Bullock passed away. I, I totally agree. It was like timing couldn't have been worse, better, however you want to say it, just yeah. to, to to at least pay homage to the, the first, you know, the first person to don that, that yep. suit. And, and to me, that is poetic, like you said. But the other thing that it kind of made me think of is, gosh, I, are we, because I thought of Carrie Fisher as I was rewatching The Force Awakens, which we'll get to in a second. And, just thinking about all the people that we are starting to lose of the original uh, yeah. movies. I'm like, gosh, this is sad. It's really sad. So real quick, we, we've lost Peter, Peter Mayhew, Mayhew mm-hmm. um, Jeremy Bullock now, uh, Carrie Fisher's gone. Dave Prowse. Prowse, yep. The, the, who is known as the guy inside the Darth Vader costume. Not the voice, but yep. the, the man inside the costume. Baker. But Kenny Baker. Just like a, a, a gallery of absolute legends. These are the people who brought to life some of the most iconic characters in, in all of all of history of all in all of cinema. And um, Jeremy Bullock is just one of the more recent ones to pass. But I, I hope you got to see some of that stuff. I hope you got to see the hype around Boba Fett, the excitement around Boba Fett. The legacy and left. The legacy that, that, you know, in just a few minutes on screen, he helped to build that in a big way. So, and it's it's another sad loss near of a lot of losses, but uh, hopefully, like like we said, that he had some peace and comfort knowing that his Star Wars fans were getting to sort of uh, see Boba Fett come to life again. Yeah, I agree, and I have nothing better to add on that than what you just said. So um, I'm not even going to try to, but it is nice to know that baton has been passed. Yeah, right, and we're going to continue to get great Star Wars content and and respect the path that has been laid out by some of these great actors and contributors throughout the years excellent let's move to the second segment now which is the force awakens more to the story more to the story (laughs) we are you do the sound effects this time uh it's your turn we are going to talk about the force awakens five years on since this was released and it is very exciting to for me to revisit it just because I mean, I thought it landed so well when it came out in theaters. And so much has happened since then with the movies that have come out, you know, and we'll get to some of that. But a couple of things I wanted to just remind the world of real quick with this movie. So it came out five years ago. A lot of other movies have come out since then, except for in 2020. That's been a crazy year. But it is still the all-time domestic box office leader. It made $936 million. Domestically? domestically wow isn't that crazy and it is first in the uk and switzerland as well i don't know switzerland Mm -hmm. yeah 
crazy, huh? And and second, a lot of other countries, and then some other countries didn't care as much for it. But in terms of all around who, the world, who didn't it is care as much? What's that? Who didn't care as much? I don't know. I, I had to look again, but like some countries, like maybe Hungary or something, it wasn't as high. Really? Yeah, we can go look it up on. <laughs> I feel on like there's a box office. There's mojo. an investigative journalism piece there. Yeah, <laughs> what's going on? Why is Star Wars not <laughs> resonating in these countries? Uh, but it is still fourth worldwide in terms of box office haul with two point zero six eight billion. I mean, that's mind blowing, and yeah. that must have that must have been a moment for the Disney executives who brokered this deal with Lucasfilm, where they went, "This was worth it." <laughs> yeah, right? it had to. I mean, really, you paid four billion. Yeah, right. So it's paid off half of that within with just one movie. And, and who knows what it's made since then? Like people always talk about box office figures and they talk yes. about rentals and DVDs. Like people still buy Blu-rays and the special features and stuff. Yes. And that keeps going. That doesn't, that's not like a light switch that you turn off. Like somebody bought the Force Awakens Blu-ray today somewhere. Like yeah. it's still making money. Oh yeah. I still buy my Blu-rays. I love them. <laughs> uh, it's going to continue making money. You yeah. can continue to get your royalty checks. I mean, there's been some news about that from Disney lately, but you should be getting your royalty checks still off of that for a while, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> Not on uh, wood. If Disney pays for them. Not a shot at all, but it was. Uh, fourth <laughs> in the world in terms of box office, I think it was first at the time that's just been passed now by Endgame is now number one. And I think that was Infinity Wars. There are a couple of, oh no, Titanic was up there. Mm -hmm. So it did not pass that one, Um, but it's still, it's done phenomenal. And in terms of other records that it holds, uh, it had, I think like 15 others where it had like a number one, it was number one on that list. Like things like fastest growing to this dollar amount and that dollar amount. Like it is a very successful movie yeah in terms of the haul that it got in just a matter of months and most of that in during the christmas holiday right right so a successful movie absolutely one of the most uh, in in the history of film so it should be celebrated and viewed as something very special and five years later to hold some of those records is still to me a a big achievement for it yeah it's mind-blowing and I, I can't believe, so I believe that that movie came out five years ago. Like, that feels about right to me. Mm. I can't believe that we've gotten through the whole sequel trilogy and those other movies within five years. Yeah. You and I were discussing how if five years ago, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, like, these were fresh-faced kids almost. And now, five years later, they've been through the absolute ringer of fame and all the complicated stuff that goes along with it and people wanting your opinion on things and people bothering you and your personal life and stuff like that. It's really thrust a lot of those people into the limelight in a big way. And they they have lived a lot of life in the last five years, I would oh, say. Yeah. But the other thing I'll say is you can't get to those box office numbers being a movie that people don't care for. You can have a fluke. You can have a big weekend where a lot of people go out and see a movie, but then word gets out that it's not that good and people are disappointed. Something doesn't work for them. They don't like the acting, whatever it might be. And it's not what happened here. Like people... People loved it, went and saw it again, uh, dragged along other family members, told their friends, whatever. It snowballed for a long time. And we were amongst those people. We were pretty happy the first time we saw it. So this was the opportunity for you and I, first time in our friendship, Mm -hmm. that we've been able to do Star Wars together. Yeah. And it kicked off our tradition of being there in the seat the night that it comes out, Thursday at 6 p.m., yes, the first possible showing on the East Coast in the United States. As To this day, as far as we know, 
we were amongst the first people in the country to see it. Yes. And I think that's been the case for most of the other movies too. If not the first, before the first people that are watching it get out of the theater. Yeah. So that we don't get spoiled in the Homer Simpson fashion yeah. as you're walking out and, you know, just someone says while they're passing, did you know that Ray was force sensitive? You know, we didn't have to worry about that happening. And that was why we did that. Yeah. We just didn't want anyone to spoil it. Yep. It was really, you got me that night on the way that we drove there, the uh, umbrella. I still have it. Actually, I think it's at my desk at work. I haven't uh, oh my been gosh. able to get it for a while. <laughs> but it's it's the, the umbrella with the Darth Saber, or the... the Darth Vader saber. Yep. Um, with that hilt. Yeah, cool. And I still have that. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I haven't forgotten that yet. <laughs> yeah, that that was quite a day, man. I, I woke up so excited. Yeah. Like from the very moment my eyes opened, I, I was just electrified. And uh, so did a lot of other people. Yeah. Who and, were excited to see this movie that weekend. I mean, it killed <laughs> at the box office. And I, I just went around... Uh, my apartment at the time, taking pictures of Star Wars stuff, and I made like a collage and posted it on Facebook. <laughs> Did it pop up in your memories? Yes, and it pops up in my memories every year. Nice. And I think part of it was like just like disbelief of like, cool, like I get to go see a live action Star Wars movie on the big screen in the theater. I never thought that this would happen again. And and this one was special because the last trilogy we got was great and we loved it, of course, mm-hmm. but it was going back in time. Right. It wasn't really progressing the story. It was telling you what happened that led up to the story that you know and love, which thank goodness, because it showed us so much that we're grateful for. Oh, yeah. Love it. But this was actually going to be progressing the story that we told you almost 40 years ago from the time that that it came out. That to me was very special. By oh, totally. Itself. Totally. Yeah, I, I wanted to know what happens to Han Solo and Chewbacca right. and the Millennium Falcon and Luke and Leia and everybody else who we know and love. Like, what? How, how do they grow up? What What happens in their lives? What sort of conflicts? What sort of resolutions? Like all that stuff. Like, just always wondered about. And you know, there's expanded universe stuff, and yeah, uh, so much of it was its own thing where there were so many stories that conflicted with one another, and so it was like, what's what's the real version of the truth? And no, no better version of the real truth than than to memorialize it in the Skywalker saga on the big screen. So like all that stuff was kind of building up in my mind. And I woke up that morning and I just jumped out of bed and I was like, today's Star Wars Day. I can't believe I'm going to see a Star Wars movie. Yeah. And and if you'll recall, we had it wasn't like we could get tickets in, in the neighborhood. Like we had to drive like 40 minutes. We did. We had to go all the Bucks County or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, and which was far for us for everybody. Which is else. far for us, but it was also kind of cool because it was just like adding to it was an opportunity to talk more about this movie that we were about to see. Right. And speculate and wonder what it was going to be about and where it was going to go and who are these characters and so on. And it was just so, so, so exciting. It also started the tradition because you, you bought the tickets. Mm-hmm. So that means that I bought Rogue One. Uh-huh. And then the next year you bought Last Jedi. Yep. And then I brought Solo. And so we kind of started this little tradition of like, okay, who's treating the movie this yeah. time? But uh, it, it made it so that. We we've kind of just built our whole friendship around this this thing, and this these traditions that we've started to the point now where we're doing this podcast. Together, right there, you know? so there it's might like, that, this that's is important to us. There, there might not be a Star Bros podcast if it's not for the Force Awakens and the movies that follow. Right? Exactly. That's the point I'm getting at. It's a close call. I'm glad that happened. <laughs> thank us. Thank you, Lucasfilm. Thank you, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Um, so. I know one of the things that you wanted to talk about with the movie, which is really special, was that this was the convergence of a few de- generations. The generations that grew up with Star Wars, the generation that was introduced to it through 
the prequel trilogy and the new generation, the current generation yep. of Star Wars fans, which you're trying to get into it for the first time. So with that, you got a lot of those original trilogy characters coming back, reprising their roles, getting in shape for them again. And like apparently as soon as Mark Hamill found out that they were doing this and they asked him if he would come back, he was basically like, just tell me where to sign yeah of course but he was trying to contain his excitement Mm -hmm. at the same time like there was no question from and him and carrie were just like immediately working out and trying to get in shape for the movie which you know mark didn't have to worry about too much but (laughs) he had just a few scenes but still yeah um they just wanted to they knew how special this was they were excited for it Uh, harrison ford i think he was a little bit more reluctant but he was excited to come back and just final like finish telling the story that he believed need to be told of Han Solo because he believed he says in an interview that Han should have died sometime after episode six. And he said, it's not because I didn't like the character anymore. He thought, he thought it would mean more to the story of star Wars because of who he is, that he would give his life for uh, this cause. I've and, never and heard that. And in this way. And he didn't, mm-hmm. but that was, I think the part that got him excited to come back. Cause as we know, Han Solo does meet his end in this movie in a very sad and, but at the same time, well-executed fashion. Yeah. And it, it's like he got to tell the story he believed the character needed to be. And that's what got him on. Yeah. So I know you really want to talk about that. So yeah. I, I'm kind of teeing that up a bit for you. <laughs> but yeah. and, and I appreciate that. And, and you know, maybe real quick, I'll just touch on the fact that I think that Han Solo's death is really well done. Because I think he, in, in my mind at least, one of the defining characteristics of Han Solo is his rebellious attitude, his defiance, and his commitment to doing things his way. And the way that he dies in the movie, he's killed by his own son, which is tragic and heartbreaking, gut-wrenching. But when I was when I was kind of doing my rewatch and preparing for this episode, I, I really took notice of the fact that the way that Harrison kind of plays it is after he's been run through with the lightsaber, he like really tenderly puts his hand on Ben's cheek breaks your heart yeah and 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 in a really gentle way where he's almost defying the genuine human instinct to be angry or to lash out or fight back or go into some version of survival mode where he's trying to hurt him or anything like that it's just like Han Solo saying you know I reject all that I'm going to do this my way and my parting kind of stance or attitude on this is that I'm going to express a little bit of love and affection before I fall into this bottomless pit thing here. So I, I don't know. I, I thought that that was really, really well done. I remember there being gasps in the theater when it yeah. happened. People like couldn't believe I, their I, eyes. I, as many people would when you're, when your favorite characters is, is killed, you're in denial. You wonder how, how dare they, how could they, especially at the hands of his son, like that is an awful way to go. Mm-hmm. And something that's really important is this movie is about the awakening of the force in Ray. Yes. But it's also about the awakening of the force in Kylo Ren. I think mm-hmm. they, they say that in some of the behind the features or behind the scenes features that they, they have. And this is really him trying to embrace the dark side. Yeah. Right. If I kill my father now, that's probably as low as I can go. Yeah. Right. And hopefully that allows me to, earn the right to be on the dark side or something like it's always him trying to prove to himself that he can be this like held up to this mantle yeah and the other thing i'll say about the the scene was 
it's so well done artistically by mm-hmm. JJ. And I, I love where it's at the beginning of the scene, you have the light coming in from where Ray and Finn are standing and it's shining on them coming together on the bridge. And as the, at the end of this conversation, the sun gets extinguished, mm. the light fades. Yeah. And it's not long after that seconds after that, that Kylo Ren kills yeah. um, his father. Yeah. The visual artistic way that that's done to show almost the light being extinguished from Kylo Ren. He's almost torn for a little bit, but then it's like the light goes out, the darkness is there and he shows the darkness and it's just, you couldn't execute it any better. Yeah. Tip my hat to JJ for that one. Yeah. And it, it is, there, there is that conflict. And I think that one of the things that Han Solo is doing is appealing to the conflict inside of Ben Solo. And, and not too long before that, when Han and Leia are reunited, I, I think she says something about, like, I know that there's still good in him. And I think Han believes that. And I think Han appeals to that when he puts his hand sort of tenderly on his cheek and just spotlights that conflict that's happening inside of him. Yes, the Force is awakening and the dark side is definitely, there's a tidal wave building inside of him. Um, but he knows that there's still some good in there somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I wanted to talk uh, a bit about uh, some of these reintroductions. Because like you said, you know, we have different generations of fans coming together at this point uh, and different generations of characters. And it's it's basically an ensemble movie where, you know, a lot of movies have a, a couple of characters that you really have to sort of keep track of. And then you have something else like, uh, you know, think of some of the Marvel movies you like where it's like, okay, well, there's there's 10 or 12 important characters here. And the movie's three hours long, so we can get to know all of them. <laughs> um, here we have hours and hours and hours of movies that these characters are coming off of while we're introducing new characters. So it's sort of like you have to get some of the audience caught up pretty quickly on who's who, who's important, and in what way. And what's happened in the last 30 years and all that, too. And what's happened? Where have they been? What's been going on? And not only with the characters, but some of the things that are important, like... Uh, the Millennium Falcon. Where's that been? Mm-hmm. What's been going on with that? So we have to do a little bit of a reintroduction for the legacy fans to sort of let people know what's been going on. But there's also like kids in the theater and they're like, well, we don't really know who Luke Skywalker is all that well and things like that. So one of the things I really loved about the movie on my most recent watch through was how we talk about some of the characters before they appear on the screen again. In the very opening scene, when we are on Jakku and the village is being raided just before the raid of the village, when Poe collects the star map from that guy and that character has a name and it's escaping me right now. Laura Santaka. Is that the character's name? Yep. Okay. He says something about Leia. Poe says something about Leia, uh, the general. And then uh, the response is something like, well, she'll always be royalty to me. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like, okay, well, that's a really good primer on who Leia is. So Leia's always had this conflict in her of, well, I'm, f- I'm, I'm, I'm being raised as a princess, as a diplomat, but I've also got this side of me where I'm really rebellious and I'm a warrior. And, you know, at heart, I'm somebody who's going to fight for not just on the political stage, but is going to be willing to pick up a blaster and fight if it comes down to it for what I believe in. She's also got this churning undercurrent of, you know, there's force sensitivity that she's potentially ignoring for the sake of her work and things like that. So like there's a two sentence exchange that I think really kind of introduces her nicely. There's a couple of the other ones that we get talking about Luke Skywalker, you know, he's talked about as a myth. Is that Mm -hmm. a real person? You know, uh, Ray has heard of him, but, 
there's never been sort of any inkling of there's a real Luke Skywalker out there somewhere. Yeah. It's sort of a folk hero character, which I think is really interesting because it seems like enough time has passed by. And we have these things in our culture too, right? Like sometimes I wonder like in the US and wherever you're from, listener, you probably have some version of this. It's like, was Paul Bunyan a real guy? Is that based on somebody? And if you told me like, if somebody walked in and and they're like, you know, you know the Paul Bunyan story, it's true, all of it. I'd be like, <laughs> really? <laughs> That's so cool. Where is he? Um, Johnny Appleseed, like these folk heroes that we have, and and to me, that's sort of like where where kind of Luke is before the characters that we meet in this movie realize, oh, that's a real person. And he can probably help us out with the cause that, that, that we're fighting for. Yeah. Uh, who else here? Oh, uh, I, I like how they, in, in the scene where the first order is now attacking Jakku and Finn and Ray have paired up along with BB eight. They're sprinting towards a little shuttlecraft and it's going to get them off of Jakku and get away from the fighting. And, they completely dismiss this other hunk of junk ship and run past it. Oh, that piece of garbage. Forget that it. That one's garbage. Yep. Uh, and then it's unveiled and it's it's the Millennium Falcon. The garbage will do. Yep. And and it's talked about like this hunk of junk that's like up on cinder blocks with, you know, it's been picked clean or whatever. It's but a trophy is what it is now. Yeah. Right. To Ankar Plot, right? Who inherited it. Who, who, who stole it from somebody who stole it from somebody else, yeah. et cetera. But even that. Remember uh, when 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 they finally meet Han Solo, who's one of the characters who introduces himself. Han yeah. and Chewie introduce themselves, and then they say that it's the Falcon, and then Ray's like, "This is the Millennium Falcon." She's heard of it. Yeah. She's heard, there. There's some mythology around this thing. There's there's some aura about it, and people tell stories about it and the role that it played in the rebellion and so on. So I I think it's cool that we get we the, a picture is painted of there's a mythology around these characters, just like there is for us, like in our culture today, the, you know, we talk about the silhouettes of, they're just so recognizable. There's a story that is just, that resonates with people all over. Same thing for these characters that we meet in TFA. They are fans the same way that we are. And these are larger than life characters to them the same way that they are to us. And so it's pretty cool when they come to life for them. So I I thought that was really well done. I totally agree. I, and that's one of the things that's very special about this is that every introduction is so strategically done. There are some deleted scenes, actually, of Leia, a lot of them. She was introduced much earlier in the movie oh, really? with some of these scenes. You can tell just by the way that they were shot, the, kind of what they're talking about and the things that have happened. It's just like, oh, if this was in the movie, it would be at X point. Uh. And it felt like, wait. Why are we introducing Leia now? This doesn't feel like when you watch it where it happens in the movie, it feels such like it's more natural, like it's right, because this is where you're being introduced to the resistance, and therefore it's just natural to then introduce Leia as a result. Mm-hmm. So if you would have introduced it earlier, like it, it would have taken that away, uh, especially because I was also reintroducing the fact that Poe survived. Right. So I really liked that uh, the first half of the movie is not an exposition of the resistance and in and, and its fight against the First Order. It's more about these characters developing them and bringing them back slowly Mm -hmm. and having Han be part of that. Like as soon as Han comes back in, like that's the first uh, piece of the original that you're given back. 
and you get that fun interaction of them with the Rathars on the shuttle and and you get to see Han kind of back to his old ways. I love that interchange. It's like the, the most Han moment ever. The, he's gotten yeah. himself in the most Han situation he possibly could get in. We quote that all the time. That I never made a deal with Contra Club. Tell that to Contra Club. Like, that's one of my favorite you lines. You can't trust those little freaks. Yeah. <laughs> and like when that, said- that, that threw me because when he said that, I was expecting it to be like... Like like a, a race of inalien species that were like really short or something. Yeah, but they're regular size. Yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so the term "little freaks," I don't know. I don't know if that was improv or something. Yeah, well, it's just it's just Han. Right? Yeah, it's, it's just, just Han being. He's Han. got a name or something for everybody. He's just so yep. he. Oh, even the part where he's just like, "I'm going to talk my way out of this," and he has to fight back to Chewie. He goes, "Yes, I do." Every time, mm-hmm. like it's just it's such a throwback. Yep. In that moment, and then you get to see Han be Han. And yep. so it, it kind of just makes you fall in love with the character all over again. Yep. I, I, I also love the bit where he says something to the effect of like, when have I not delivered for you? And what did they say? Something like twice? Twice. And he goes, what was the What was the time? other time? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. The, the humor. And that's actually something this movie does really well. The humor is great. The, the humor in all of this is great. BBA, the thumbs up. Yep. It's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. And the fact that they made a Lego out of that scene. And you I have that. It. You remember have it. the thumbs up? It's so cool. Yeah. So it does a really good job, I think, of bringing all those elements that make film great today, which is the scenery. The fact that they have like the lightsabers glowing on their faces, the colors yeah. and things like JJ did a great job with mm-hmm. that stuff. And mm-hmm. that's what I love. Like, I remember watching that first trailer they came out with. There were very few there was no dialogue almost. There was just a voiceover from Andy Serkis. Yeah. It was, it, at first it was Finn pops up. Yeah. After the crash in Jakku. We didn't know it was after a crash. Yeah. Huffing and puffing all, all sort of wound up. Yeah. And it was like, all right, well, who's he? What's yeah. his story? What's happening here? And then we see the X-Wings flying. Yeah. And they're flying over the water and the water's coming up and you're like, they're embracing the environment. It was just, it was yeah. exciting because it was Star Wars the way you would hope it would be made today. Yep. And that's what I loved about it. Yeah. So uh, one other thing about reintroductions yes. um, that I wanted to mention was there is, I think, for lack of a better term, a visual language to the Star Wars movies and uh, more broadly, blockbuster movies shot on film in the 80s, 70s and 80s. Uh, and I think that J.J. does a really nice job of borrowing a lot of those things and putting them in this movie. Yeah. And one of them is, that, that I think popped up from the very first trailer was the lens flare just one he of those nice those effects uh, and if, if you don't know what i'm talking about it's sort of this effect where um, you know there are layers inside of a, a movie camera's lens and if you catch the light the right way it sort of refracts and you and you can see like the light broken up not like not like in a spectrum but like it's almost like uh like little tiles of light pop up yeah um it's, it's a really cool looking effect I don't know that you see it all that often in movies today. He uh, over abuses it in Star Trek Into Darkness. Does he? Yes. Okay. But uh, it's it's still, I mean, I love Into Darkness. Yeah. But that was uh, also, J.J. Abrams is the only one to really go cross universe in terms that, of the Star Trek and Star Wars. That's true. Because of that. Although I just, um, as a quick aside, I just recently read that Rosario Dawson is a big Star Trek fan. Oh, yeah. Okay. So she gets to be a fan of both universes and, and really get into one of them. They exist. Um, which is super cool. But so there's like, as I was saying, like, I, you know, if you go back and if you look at some of like Spielberg's big blockbuster movies, like E.T. or something, you see lens flare. 
Mm. You see the camera do certain things that you see it do in The Force Awakens. So I think that J.J. was very consciously kind of saying, all right, there, there's a long story here, and I have to be a point of continuity in that story. Like, I can't just do something completely different and dismiss everything that we have, like, that we've built up over the decades. So he does that with the characters, but he also sort of does it with the way he visually tells the story, with the way that scenes cut, with the way that the camera pans, with the way that the lens flares and things like that. So it's stuff that you don't necessarily consciously pick up on until, you know, you start to take a step back and look at the movie a, a different way. For me, I feel like the first couple of times I watched this movie, I was just sucked into the story yeah, and the characters and what was happening to them. But then I started to take a step back and like, look at this movie a little bit more critically uh, and a little bit like, um, you know, and we've discussed before that now that we have a podcast, the way that we watch a Star Wars movie or a piece of Star Wars content is a little bit different. It is. Like dissect it, really dig into it, ask ourselves big questions about it and so on. Not to say that we weren't doing that before, but, you know, when I was doing this rewatch now, it's just like, gosh, like I feel like I'm watching like a protege of Spielberg make a blockbuster movie when yeah. I'm watching this. And it works. It's not like it's like a clunky sort of knockoff of like a Spielberg blockbuster movie. Like it worked really well for me. So that was another way that I think that JJ was like, hey, we're, we're kind of, we're doing something new, but we're picking up where we left off in a lot of ways too. Yeah. And that's why I think JJ was, he was very afraid to take on the role of rebooting Star Wars or bringing it back to the big screen because it's such a monumental task. I don't blame him. And how do you do this where you pay homage to both the generation that already loves Star Wars Mm -hmm. and bring on some new fans as well and keep it going? Because this needs to keep going. Yeah. And that means that a new fandom needs to arrive. And I think that they did a good job of making sure of that. So part of the way to do that is introduce some new characters. And I want to talk about that for a second because this is why this is so important. My daughter who I haven't been able to get into Star Wars very much anymore lately, but she knows I love Star Wars. She watches me play a game or something. When I was playing Squadrons, she goes, are you Rey? Oh, yeah? She knows who Rey is, and Rey is important to her. Cool. And that makes me, a dad of a daughter, so happy that they've created this strong female character that as soon as my daughter thinks of Star Wars, she thinks of Rey. When my son thinks of Star Wars... I'm not sure who he thinks of yet. I think he he's probably thinking of Luke, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like, I think he's really grown to, like, I've gotten him into the originals f- first. I, but I know that he's really into it as well. I don't have to be worried. But it's more the fact of my daughter, like, getting into it because of Ray. Like, that to me is special. And so, my point in all this, they introduced some new characters for us. Ray being one of them. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a very special character mm-hmm. and such a well-done character introduced in a beautiful way. I was rewatching this time. There is no dialogue from Ray for about the first five minutes that you see your character. You don't hear her say a word, but you learn a lot about her yeah. as you watch her. So first, like she's a scavenger. She's very agile. She's very strong. And she's kind of adventurous. Like I love seeing the, the playful way she just slides down the hill, mm-hmm. right? Just that's, a lot of fun and then she's tough right she's also a bit of a, uh that's a good word for it like when she's meeting with Ankar plot and, and having that exchange and like she she's a little feisty yeah is what i got from that and then that moment where she's sitting there cleaning the tool or the cleaning what she's brought back yeah and looking at 
the older woman and almost just having this like, oh my gosh, is this my future? Is this me sitting here? This isn't what I want. It's like, how do I get out of this is what she's almost thinking. And then, you know, she goes back home. She has that little moment where she puts on the, the pilot's helmet. She's, she scratches on the wall first. And she scratches. Yeah. Yeah. Today's day one million or whatever. And you learn that she's hopeful. Yeah. She's hoping for something. She's longing for something. And she puts on that, that, that helmet and she just has this little smile across her face of just like, you know, daydreaming mm-hmm. of what life could be like. Yep. And that whole montage is really special to setting up this character and it does it without words. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. That's one of my favorite kind of setups of a character in all of Star Wars. Yeah. And Ray's theme written by John Williams is one of my favorite pieces of music in all of Star Wars. That's true. And all that you're just given her music. You're given her music. It's and I think the thing that teaches you about her. He, he just absolutely nails it in how the music is like a little bit playful, a little bit upbeat, but on the edge, a little bit sorrowful and, and kind of tells a complex story. But yeah, I, I love how she's set up without giving any information without any dialogue, without any, any verbal exposition about who this character is. I, I thought about a couple of things. One, we, we talk about her from the very beginning as being a scavenger. So I, I went and I did some Googling and I was like, well, you know, what what is what else do we know about scavengers? Because the first thing that came to my mind when I saw this was, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Ship Breaking. Are you familiar with this? Nope. I think I first saw it in a National Geographic magazine. And, and basically it was positioned as the most dangerous job in the world. And shipbreaking is, um, you know, like the, the, the big freight vessels that crisscross the oceans delivering cars and goods for sale and whatever. Those are good for like 25 years or so, 25, 30 years. And then when it becomes more expensive to maintain them than it would be just to replace them, they go somewhere, usually in the Indian subcontinent. So they go to like Bangladesh or something. And they purposely run these giant ships aground and then people pick them clean. And resell the parts. So it, it looks a lot like, you know, what you see where there's giant Imperial cruisers crashed into the sands of Jakku and you, you pick them apart and you sell the different pieces that might still be worth something. But it's considered one of the, the most dangerous jobs in the world because there is, you know, you're working with welding torches and you're climbing things and whatever. And some of the ships are older and they might have uh, materials in them that are not safe to breathe and whatever. So I thought about that and I was like, okay, this that's sort of similar. This this seems like a really dangerous thing. She's, you know, sliding around, climbing things. There's nobody else around. There's no OSHA, you know, and, and she's made it this far. And that that always says something. Like if somebody's yeah. here today, they've survived and in an environment where it doesn't seem particularly easy to survive, like I think that tells a story. That's true. The the other thing that uh, I found that I thought was really interesting was that scavengers, more often than not, are usually also apex predators in the animal kingdom so lions will scavenge if there's not enough prey to hunt in a particular day so it's usually like that's the other side of the coin of somebody who you know the the whole thing of like picking through the leftovers is usually the other side of the coin of somebody who is tough and heroic and fearless and whatever and i think that that's sort of right to a certain extent of like yeah she's a day-to-day survivor but she's also the type of person who will steal the Millennium Falcon and go find Luke Skywalker if she has to. So I thought that was really interesting too. And the article I was reading was saying that a lot of paleontologists actually think the T-Rex was a scavenger, like would sort of Hmm. pick over things. But every once in a while, if it had the opportunity to hunt and kill, it would do that. But it would also, you know, graze and and eat whatever it could find. 
So I, I, I love I love how from the very first second that we meet Ray, if you'll remember the shot, it sort of it pans from Kylo Ren's masked face from from his mask, it cuts to Ray's mask, which we only oh, see that from, one no, time. Fins. What's that? Fins. Fins, sorry. Yeah. Um, to Ray's mask, which we only see that one time, where she's got the goggles, she's got the two lights on the other side of the goggles, her head is completely wrapped up, and we sort of unveil her slowly where we don't even get to see her face at first. Yeah. And then we get to see her face. It's actually interesting. I just, the thing I noticed this time around was that other than the villagers, all the characters that you are introduced to at the very beginning up until Ray, except for Poe and Laura Santeca are wearing masks. Huh? Every character, the stormtroopers, Finn, Kylo Ren, Captain Phasma, Ray, they're mm-hmm. all, all these main characters are introduced in a way that you don't see their faces, which is difficult to act, yeah. first of all. But second of all, it it's like the mask is part of their character that you're learning. And it's yeah. like, this is who, what defines them. But then you kind of learn that there's a face behind it, at least for the good guy's perspective, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And then eventually, you know, you get Kylo Ren's face and, and stuff too. But just that little fact that like everyone's masked. Wow, I never noticed that. Wow, it's that's a good really call to notice, but very interesting. Oh, that, that is. Hmm. And I think it all just kind of builds on who Ray is as a character. And this movie is about Ray. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And you don't know that at first. Remember cuz when we went into this movie, we were like, you've got Ray as a character, you got Finn as a character. We saw in the the trailer that Finn was going to get the lightsaber, so we actually thought he was going to be the next Jedi and he was the one that the Force was awakening in. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a leak of a toy. Yes. And it was... I avoided I, it. What's that? I did avoid this. I, I think I saw it and, and like I, I managed to bite my tongue and not ruin it for you. You did. Yes. Um, Thank you. But I think I think what happened was they shipped the toys to Walmart to be put out on the, sh- on the shelves at a future date and somebody put them out before, Yep. I think. And so people saw, and I believe what it was, was Finn with a lightsaber. No, I thought it was right. Or it was right. It was right. You're right. Finn was in, ended up being in the trailer, but it mm-hmm. was right with the lightsaber. And so people were like, oh, Ray's a Jedi. Oh, you ruined it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of buildup before we get to Ray being anything close to a Jedi. Oh, yeah. Tons of it. Um, but it's interesting how we get to know these characters along the way and how we try to piece together who they are and what is deliberately revealed to us and what isn't. Yeah. Well, and Finn is another great character that they introduce because up until this point, stormtroopers are faceless nameless yeah beings that are just there to shoot bad (laughs) because they have no aim apparently and be killed yeah that's really it they're just a a means to an end so we can have some action yep and this is the first time that we decide you know what let's take off the mask and see who's underneath except for the clones i guess but you know let's actually give them a face yeah and show you a little bit about what it's like to be a stormtrooper and the difficulties and those that want to maybe defect and things like that yeah and it does that with finn in a, in a very I, I think poetic way since yeah. we're using that word a lot and intersecting that with post story and creating the start of this bromance you know yep. like they're, they're just two bros that were kind of destined to to find each other and help each other in that moment you know yep. and i just I, I think it's uh great to see finn's character um, kind of evolve from nothing and by the end of the movie he's just as much someone as Ray is this is really important to his development of, of this reluctant hero again who's just trying to run away from the fight and ends up getting enthralled in it and instead of running away from the most powerful force user he grabs this lightsaber which he's only used once and not done great with and fight back yeah and 
hold his own for the most part. It was tough, but yeah, at the end he he did get his his spine uh, sliced a little bit. Yeah, but still, like going up against Kylo Ren, I would expect that to be the outcome. He he still holds his own. Yeah, which I thought was great. Yeah, I, I and I wanted to ask you one of the things that I wanted to run past you was so Finn kind of goes through his own awakening. And yeah. he, he goes from, like you said, being this faceless, basically nameless stormtrooper to an independent thinker who's fighting for what's right. And do you think that the force awakening, because we find out later on that he's force sensitive or, or it, it, it starts to sort of get hinted at and, you know, evolves from there, uh, which a lot of people, by the way, like we'll admit, you know, a lot of people think that that's a missed opportunity. That could have been a real interesting story arc that they could have really dug into. Yeah. Um, but do you think that him sort of feeling this conflict in that village uh, early on with that, that massacre and that group execution, which is like a hard, a hard scene to watch. Do you think that part of the force kind of stirring and awakening is it reaching out to him and kind of grabbing him and sort of shaking him by the shoulders and saying like, like you got to do what's right here. Well, that was, he says that was his first battle. And he made a choice. Mm-hmm. And there's a deleted scene that actually shows the choice that he made a bit better. Oh, yeah? It, he turns the corner and he runs into a villager, holds his gun up, and is reluctant and doesn't shoot. And and the villager's kind of stunned and just kind of like waits for the moment until she realizes she's safe and then runs. Oh, wow. And it's where he kind of, he's made his choice now. Mm. And... I, I don't know. I so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but um, I totally think this is an awakening. And yeah, it is a bit of a missed opportunity. Something that I hope that they explore a little bit more in the future, of of him, you know, becoming a Jedi. Yeah. And and kind of learning the Force, the way the ways of the Jedi and everything. But I mean, in terms of just what the story needed in this movie, mm-hmm. it's great. Oh, it works, and I think it works perfectly in this one. Yeah. But you know, I think about. You know, I, one of the most chilling moments in in the movie, and probably in all of Star Wars for me, is when Finn decides not to join into the shooting and the group execution. And afterwards, when Kylo is marching back to a ship, he stops and he looks right at Finn. And Finn, like they sort of catch each other's eyes for a, a second between, you know, through their masks, obviously. Yes. And then it moves on, and it's just like I'm on to you. Yeah, is sort of what Kylo is saying, and I wonder if that was like something in the Force, like he just felt something reach out a little bit. He felt like maybe a a presence of somebody who was strong in the Force, yeah. or or maybe felt it awakening in him, and it wasn't so much like, oh, I don't like the conflict that you're experiencing with you know not blindly following orders. I think I, you know maybe there's something more to it, like oh, I, okay, so there's there's another Force sensitive being here, and I, I'm picking up That's on something. That's a good point. Yeah. And then he went back and told Captain Phasma, he's like, FN2187, go after him and and figure out what's going on there. Yep. Like, retrain him, you know. Yeah. And that's where that kicks off. Yeah, beat that out of him. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> exactly. And then by the end of the movie, they're, they're looking at each other, masks off. He's calling him a traitor. Yep. And you're you're kind of getting that that look that you saw in the first five minutes of the movie is now coming back into this this mm-hmm. forest scene. Which, if you don't mind, I want to go to that because the forest scene is is the best moment in this movie uh it's followed it's following the most devastating moment in this movie mm-hmm. which is the loss of han solo and it's really where you get to see kylo ren at his best you know be, the vicious 
villain that he is and that he's becoming. And you get to see Ray just completely take, you know, the mantle of, of being force sensitive and discovering all of her powers and things like that. And reluctantly and hesitantly. And like, she's, she is afraid, you know, when she lights up that lightsaber and it shows on her face, like she is not sure what she's even doing, but she's going to do it. And I, I just love how well it's executed. The whole thing, the, the, even just down to the detail of the reflection of the lightsaber in their eyes. Yeah. As they're like holding the lightsaber to each other. Oh yeah. So well executed. I just uh, the, love the scene. They cared enough to to do little details like that. Um, yeah. Which I love. But that that I love that scene. I love that the planet, the Star Killer base is literally ripping apart. Yeah. As they're trying to have this battle. I love the snow. I love I love that effect. Maybe that's another reason why I so closely associate this movie with Christmas. With Christmas, there you go. Um, well, did you know that that was that wasn't done in a forest somewhere? Was that a, a soundstage somewhere? That was in Pinewood Studios. Okay, they built that. Cool. And they brought in. Oh gosh, I wrote down the number. It was seven hundred and fifty boxes of snow. Gosh, that's a lot of snow. Uh, just like to create a lot of work. all this, all the trees. They painted the walls with trees and things, and brought me like made this lighting. It was <sighs> just. It was so cool. easier for them to be able to to make the choreography of it. And speaking of choreography, the choreography of this is not like anything we've seen in Star Wars. Everything lightsaber betters are well polished. They're almost flashy in a way. This is purposely done this way, where it looks like they have never touched lightsabers before, almost. Which Especially makes sense. Ray and Finn. Yeah, and, and and I think the other thing is I think Kylo kind of comes across as a little bit sloppy. Yeah, um, at certain moments, and and I was thinking about but that intense. Yeah, it's super intense. I feel like this is one of the scenes where people start asking the question of, is Ray a Mary Sue? Yeah. And and for anybody not familiar, and I, I might not get this perfectly right, but a Mary Sue is essentially a, a character or a plot device that is just, just too perfect. Just the invincible with lacking any imperfection and, and just distractingly unrealistic, perfect thing in the story. And she, like you know, a lot of people say, like, well, she's picking up a lightsaber for like the first or second time, and then she's able to hold her own with Kylo Ren. I, you know, I think that's a fair question, but if, to your point, it doesn't come across as super polished. It comes across as a little bit clunky, awkward. She's nervous. She's getting the hang. Same with John Boyega. He's like, how do I handle this thing? But the but other thing, the, she's on the defense of the whole beginning of that fight. Right. The whole time, she's running away through the forest at one point from Kylo Ren. Right. And, and I think the the other thing that people miss when they try to make that argument is the fact that Kylo Ren, who is, you know, deeply conflicted as Ben Solo and is trying to resolve that conflict by, uh, you know, doing the worst thing they could possibly do, which is eliminate his father, Han Solo, is now emotionally in knots as a result of that. Like he's completely unglued. He's a mess. And, and he's also physically a mess. He's physically a mess, and he's emotionally a mess. Chewie has shot him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Finn gets a good licking yep. on his shoulder, I think. Yep. And then I think, you know, like, he's got a couple of little blemishes. Like, he's not up to form in this fight either. Yeah. He's not doing the best he can. Yeah. So it kind of helps that, that, that he's not at par so that she can do a little bit right. better. And she's doing terribly for the first half until she finally does what Luke did and trusts the force. Mm-hmm. 
and you know what he did in New Hope is what I'm talking about. And and I think that, I think that's a great point. And I think maybe Kylo isn't entirely trusting the Force because he's feeling this conflict of the Force, where the good is telling him what he's done is horrible, and the dark side that he's trying to lean into, maybe he's not fully embracing him because of all the good that's still in him. And so he's not entirely. So like a lot of the the Star Wars books that I've read, when you get into the head of the bad guy, take Darth Bane for example. When Darth Bane is in battle, it, it, even if he's hurt, doesn't really affect him. You know, he's his adrenaline is going. He's able to to continue to do what he's trying to do because he's sort of so committed and focused and single minded that it isn't until afterwards that he feels the pain of having been hurt or whatever. But that's only if he maintains that mental discipline of staying determined and focused and committed to an outcome, not letting his emotion, running his emotions and not letting his emotions run him. I feel like in this particular scene, Kylo is just overwhelmed with his emotions and he's, he gets sloppy as a result. And so it's not that Ray's a Mary Sue. It's that Ray is Kylo's counterpoint in the force and the force is awakening within her. And that Kylo is a bit of a mess in this scene, emotionally, mentally, and with his relationship to the force. Yeah. And this is where I'll also say, look, Luke is the same thing. Like he is just introduced to the force. He's a whiny kid when you're introduced to him. Right. And by the end of the movie, he's able to destroy the death star. That, that seems a pretty big stretch, but the difference is that he's trusted the force. Yep. And he's, he's taken the little bit of learning that he's had and extrapolated into an ability that just seems miraculous. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happens here the little bit of ability that she has learned from the inklings she's gotten from Maz and from the vision that she had and from Kylo Ren even in in the instances where she's able to tap into the force because of him. Yep. She's been able to learn enough from that to eventually in that moment, trust the force and do something miraculous again, not even as miraculous as destroying the Death Star. Right. It's just walking away from this battle with one of the most well-trained apprentices that luke skywalker had yeah that's pretty miraculous and i think is again that's proof that she's not a mary sue because if if you're saying she is then you got to say something about luke too and no one's going to say that i wouldn't ever say that so my argument is that she's as well founded as a character as, as luke is in in terms of being a force wielder so i'm gonna let my <laughs> argument rest on that um, I'm sure someone will rebuttal me somewhere. Let's go to another criticism of this movie. Yeah. Which is, it is derivative mm-hmm. of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a fair criticism. Yeah. But I would also say that it does it in ways that helps people to feel like they're seeing something that's Star Wars again, to kind of reboot it, right? But still doing it by introducing fresh new people fresh new ideas and takes and things like that i mean the fact that you start off on the desert planet that there's a droid that's involved that has Mm -hmm. data that's in them okay it even starts off with the villain instead of the good guys Mm -hmm. right it's pretty much the exact same start you've got the death star and star killer base there are a lot of arguments to say oh yeah this is kind of following the skeleton but star killer base is so much bigger (laughs) <laughs> it is so much bigger. And I love that scene where Poe's like, here's the Death Star, and here's Starkiller Base, and everybody's just like, oh. 
And Han's like, so it's bigger. Okay. <laughs> like, like we'll just blow it up. There's always a way to do that. Yeah. Like, he's like, I did the first one, guys. We can do this. <laughs> right? I, so my question for you is, is this a fair criticism? I So I think to a certain degree, yes. But in in taking a step back, this is the same story. This is fundamentally the same story about the same people in the same galaxy with a continuation of some of the same conflicts between good and evil. So there's going to be parallels. And I think it's okay for there to be parallels. A fantasy book series that I never finished, but I started, I got through the first two books and I really enjoyed, was called The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. And I think there's like 12 books or something in the whole series. Like it's like a whole shelf full of books. But one of the themes is, hey, it's all one big story and we're all sort of in the same tapestry together and therefore everything's just sort of a continuation of what came before. And so there's natural parallels between things. And, and that's kind of the way life is in real life, right? Like we're constantly building on the past and we're living some version of a similar life to our ancestors and so on. And so like, I don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm stretching here a little bit to say like, derivative maybe not but sort of in the same narrative tapestry for sure yeah but i think that's okay and and the fact that yeah okay he stole some beats that really worked well for a new hope uh, that's fine to me first of all the fact that there was the starter killer base my argument is that if you can create the most deadly weapon in the galaxy and rule with it mm-hmm. and make it a little bit better every single time you're gonna do that aren't you gonna do that you're gonna keep trying to do that right i mean this is a ter- uh, i feel bad about doing this almost but uh, uh this is like we rebuilt the twin towers mm-hmm. after after they were destroyed in 9-11 right you don't just bigger say, though huh bigger and bigger right <laughs> and it's a, a way to say you cannot defeat our resolve. Right. We will stay strong. Like, we're not going to just l- roll over and let you, you know, say you can't build a Death Star anymore because we'll just destroy it every time. Like, no, we'll just make it better. We'll yeah. we'll learn from our mistakes. I would do that too. And so I, I totally believe this. And the fact that they make it out of a planet this time, and like, that's really cool. And that is cool. And it takes the power from the sun. Like, that's really cool. Yeah. It's cool. It's different enough. And I agree. Like, the the logic of it, if you were a an evil power hungry organization with access to a giant super weapon and somebody blew up your super weapon you'd make another one and try to make it even more super than the first yeah. super weapon like that that's just what you would do so like that works for me too the people who think that this film is too derivative of a new hope are one camp i i think we meet their their counterpoint in the last jedi when that comes out and then people go, too different. I know. <laughs> There's no pleasing us. It's like, okay, Goldilocks. Like, what is just right? Like, where, where's where's the happy medium? Goldilocks, yeah. <laughs> where's the Goldilocks of Star Wars that pleases everyone? Mandalorian, Grogu, we got right. it. <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe they finally pulled it off with that one. But I really did feel like this one it was like, too much the same. And then it was like, too different. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Like, okay, guys, what do you really want What now? do you want? <laughs> Can't make anyone happy. No, but that it's a fair criticism, but it's not one that ruins it for me because mm-hmm. I think it still hits a lot of great stories and it still has its own uniqueness to it that sets it apart. Right? Yeah. That it, it takes some steps that New Hope never did. You know, the cantina scene. 
by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, that was another derivative moment. Apparently, there were 105 different characters that they created for this movie. Cool. By the way. Oh, that's a lot yeah. of practical effects. I love it. That were brought into this, right? Just had to throw that out there. The last thing I think I'll, I'll do is, is just kind of, I don't know. There, there's so many other things, but I got a couple of fun facts. Oh, please. That I thought I would share with you yeah, that yeah. I, I found in my, some of my research. So one of them actually is this is just kind of as part of the behind the scenes. So did you know that Domhnall, I'm saying that right, Domhnall Gleeson, who is cast as General Hux, who has that amazing speech scene where I'm like, do not make that guy mad mm-hmm. ever because I don't ever want to see that. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson found out that he was cast the day after he did his audition what? and then went to the table read the next day. So you know that that picture that we saw yeah. of the, the black and white picture of the table read, right? That was within a couple of days of his audition? Yep. Wow. And even better than that was Oscar Isaacs, who found out hours before the table read. What? And he was basically told, go to your hotel room and we will call you and let you know if you're going to get in a car to go to the airport or if you're going to get in a car and go to the table read. Oh my gosh. Like that's how close it was. Wow. And it was part of just like trying to keep as much secrecy to all this as possible yeah. too. But like some of these big names, big roles in here were cast like very, very close to the I, end I wonder of the who water. else was in the running for, for Poe especially. I don't know. I don't, hmm. There's probably somewhere and someone that knows that, but yeah, I don't know. We got Oscar Isaac and I'm Danny DeVito. What's that? Danny DeVito. Definitely not. <laughs> Why not? Danny DeVito? Yeah. As Poe? Best pilot in the galaxy, cool leather jacket. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I'll, I'll write some fan fiction. Okay. You can do that. <laughs> Danny DeVito, the, the Poe's doppelganger. Danny um, Povito. Danny Povito. There you go. Rovito. Yeah. So anyway, that that was the, the biggest one that had um, the fact that we had Simon Pegg and Daniel Craig that were cameoing. In yeah. This. And do we know who they are? I, I think I heard that Daniel Craig is in the scene where uh, uh, Ray is being the interrogated. The one where she's do, using the Jedi mind trick. Oh, yeah. OK. So that's that's Daniel. And Craig. I'll drop my weapon. Yep. That one. OK, cool. And then Unkar Plot is who is, is Simon Pegg. OK, cool. Who, who Simon Pegg is playing. Carrie Fisher. So one of the things in her taking on the role again was she asked that her daughter be cast in the movie. Right. Billy Lord, who ends up playing Lieutenant Connix. Yep. So I thought that was really interesting. It was like, hey, can, can can you give a role to my daughter? And she's become kind of like a fan favorite in a way. Yeah. And she's in all the um, the visual dictionaries and stuff like that. Um, so she, she definitely gets a bit of the spotlight, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Anyway, those will be all the ones I share. But there are a ton of things in the behind the scenes that are really interesting that I, I spent a lot of time just kind of watching those and reading and, and enjoying as much as I could. So. You know what? You know what really jumped out at me this time? Um, a little, a little uh, Easter eggy type thing is when you get to see uh, the droid, and I can't remember the droid's numbers, but it's KT something. You know oh who, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for for those of you who uh, maybe aren't familiar with the 501st, I think this was on on YouTube somewhere. There was a great interview with the guy who founded the 501st, which is you know a a big time now it's a, a big time huge costuming organization where people dress up in uh cinematically accurate uh star wars costumes mostly as like stormtroopers and stuff and we've talked about them on, on the show a couple of times but his his uh you know tragically uh one of his children his daughter died of uh uh some some type of pediatric cancer and uh he had built for her an r2 unit 
and uh, it was like sort of pink and silver, I think. And and pink apparently was her favorite color. And her name was Katie. And so the droid's name is KT something, and I can't remember what the, the numbers are. But they brought it to the set, and it's in uh, The Force Awakens. That final shot as they're leaving yep. Takadana, right? Yep. And uh, I, I think it actually comes up a couple of times, but it was pretty cool that they sort of said, you know what, we're going to find a way to honor her memory and honor the importance of the 501st. And you pointed out that there's a flag on Takadana Castle with the 501st's uh, logo on it. Oh, yeah. I got my planet wrong there. What's the planet where the resistance is? Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it's not it's not Takadana, but no. it's, it's the place where the rebel base is. Move on. Yeah, uh, I'll remember it. So they found a way to sort of work the 501st in in a really sort of heartfelt, personal touch by including KT the droid in there, who is now representative of the 501st, but also the battle against different pediatric cancers. So I thought that yeah. was really cool. And then, like you said, the flag as well for the 501st yeah. in, in Maz's castle, where there's also a flag of the Mythosaur yes. in there, which is really that, Yeah, you told me that's so cool. Yeah. I, I got to go back and see if I can pick through what those different flags are. Yeah, but it's a shame should... because, you know, for because we were talking about how for the Empire, for all the order it wants in the galaxy, it's pretty quick to just blow stuff up. <laughs> and create it, chaos, yeah. Create just a flaming crater where there used to be some semblance of order, and now you've just reduced it to ashes. But okay. Yeah, whatever. Yep. So, question for you. Yes. Does this live up five years later? Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I rewatched it in two sessions yesterday and the day before and was just sucked in from the very beginning and absolutely loved it. And yeah. again, part of it is, you know, I have these really positive sentimental attachments to it. I, I've been meaning to share with you that this this was the only time where this has happened to me, where we went and saw the movie, came home super excited that night. My wife was was fast asleep. And so, like, I couldn't even be like, let me tell you about the movie. So I kind of sat there just, like, replaying different parts of my mind. And I was just so excited. And I went to sleep thinking about it. And I dreamt about it. And I dreamt about specifically the scene on Jakku where the Millennium Falcon is fleeing from the TIE fighters through the graveyard of crashed um, yes. uh, ships. I, I, I dreamt about the Millennium Falcon flying across the Jakku landscape. And, and so to me, there's just something in this movie about this movie that's just sort of like embedded in me now. Like I just absolutely love it, have all these positive associations, but I think it holds up as a movie on its own too. Yes. What about you? Oh, I totally agree. And it's funny because over the years I've rewatched it and I feel like uh, I've almost taken it for granted a little bit or Same. I feel like I've not gotten tired, but like, you know, like, okay, I've seen this before. Yeah. 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 But like watching it this time again, mm -hmm. it was, it was the first time in a, in a while. And I felt this new love for it that I've, I haven't felt since the first time I watched it. So it kind of rekindled that love. That, that, a that's a great point. I haven't watched it, um, like sat down and paid attention to it in, in definitely over a year. Yeah. So it, it was kind of like a reboot for me. It was, it was sort of refreshing it in my mind for me. Yeah. And, and that to me is what made it feel really special was uh, just, just kind of knowing what we know now, knowing the answers to the questions that it poses, which... You know, it does a really good job of making sure it gets you excited again for the franchise mm -hmm. because it poses a lot of questions like, who are Ray's parents? And Kylo Ren, how did he turn? You know, yeah. Luke, why is he annex himself to this island over here? And, and all this stuff. Like, it, it kind of rekindles all that and, and, and asks these questions that you want to know more. And remember, like, for two years we debated what all the answers to those questions right. were. And then when we got the answers, we were unsatisfied. And, and I think the world kind of looks at it like, 
oh, we're we're unsatisfied by this movie now because the, we don't like the answers to, to the questions that it ended up asking us. Look past all that. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about those questions this no. time. I just was like, is this a good movie or not? And it is great. Yeah, agreed. When you're just watching it without all that extra baggage now, mm-hmm. just I don't need to worry about Ray's parents. I know. I don't need to worry about, you know, if if Kylo Ren's going to be redeemed or not. I know. Mm-hmm. I can just enjoy the the genesis of this story. And, you know, knowing the end from the beginning now makes it a totally different experience. I don't have to worry about it as much. See, that that was the one thing that, that was a little bit harder for me this time around was Kylo Ren specifically in his redemptive arc and him having a moment at the end there where he becomes the good guy. Because I kept going back to, what do we do with the villagers? Shoot them all. That's pretty messed up. Like, it's hard to come back from. And to, you know, a few years later when you're watching The Rise of Skywalker, that seems like ancient history. But this brought it up again. And I was like, wow, what a really horrible guy. <laughs> Yes. Or I would say he's a guy who's done some horrible things. He's done horrible things. Yeah. Have they really made him a horrible guy? Yes or no. He's doing it all in the guise of trying to be Darth Vader, of trying to be powerful and gain power by doing evil things. Because that's the path that he thinks it takes. And it's not. He learns in the end, like, this isn't helping me. I'm not going to the dark side. I'm still feeling the pull. What gives? Yeah. And it's because he's not living up to the true character that he needs to be, which is a good guy. Yeah. And you see that come out through Last Jedi and through all these other areas. All he, the only thing that really is difficult for that makes him on the bad side is his grudge for Luke. Yep. That's the, pretty much it. Yeah. Other than that, it's it's the crappy things that he's done along the way. Yeah, and, and you can say the same for Darth Vader, too, who right. has done horrible stuff. Anakin did terrible things. But yeah, the redemptive arc, I guess, is just really long. It has to swing a really long way from the bad stuff to the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have given our fans quite the Christmas present this year Yeah, in an extended episode. Is it? <laughs> quite an extended episode. I think we, we've hit the, the hour 50 mark by now. Whoa. It's insane. <laughs> uh, thank Lucasfilm for the Christmas present they gave us and yeah. all those great announcements. Well, yeah, a lot to react to. Yeah, that we get through. But... I'm glad to hear that it lives up for you because to me it's it's still to me it's it's the blockbuster it's the you've spent a good I think it's 125 million or 225 million dollar budget on this thing yep. you made it beautiful and we love it and it still holds up to this day as a a fantastic art mm-hmm. uh, as well as a story so glad that uh, JJ was behind the wheel on this one and me it's, too. it's living up. Let's get to our last segment, segment three, yeah. the fandom segment. Should be our last one for the year. This time around, we're just gonna do a little Christmas celebration. Enjoy some some gifts. <laughs> I'm vigorously rubbing my hands together because who doesn't love a gift? Yeah, exactly. And 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 okay, the fandom piece of this is you've got people in your life that love Star Wars. What do you get them? Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot out there. A lot of stuff. T shirts, books you know you name it like you can get something for that star wars toys right so let's see what we got each other let's do that all right who goes first um i'll give you this there's uh two things in here for you good i've got two 
here that are individually wrapped. So good Thank luck you. with that. Got it. Thank my you. My wrapping very skills much. are getting pretty good, aren't they? What's that? Look at my wrapping skills. I think. Oh, you did this. Good. I just assumed that Susan did it. I did it, man. Nice. Good job. Yeah. Um, mine is. I, I just stuffed mine in a gift bag and put some tissue paper on top. So that, I'll that... probably open mine first because <laughs> I'll get to it faster. <laughs> <laughs> should we take turns? What should we do here? Yeah, let's take turns. Okay, go for it. So bo- right. both of your gifts go together. So. No way. <laughs> Uh, all right, so first one is a little plush, the child, with some candies. With some candies. <laughs> but this is perfect, because I was always like, oh, I need a little cuddly child. So you can put him in your car, or you can keep him on your desk, or whatever, or you can just, uh, you know, put him in a little backpack and, you know, walk around with him while you uh, get into different fights with bad guys all over the galaxy. Are you kidding? I'm going to sleep with I'm going like, to cuddle next to <laughs> him. I'm going to be like, here's my little grogu. Cat's going to be shoved off the bed. I'm like, who cares about you anymore? <laughs> Yay. That's exciting. I'm actually excited about this because I've been thinking like, I need a little plush, the child. There you go. That's perfect. Thanks, man. But there's another one in here. You yes. Said? Okay. It's it's soft. That's the, that is the criteria in my parents' house. Is it? If a if it's soft, it's a good gift. Oh, okay. I don't know why, but they love soft. And it's a t-shirt, and it says, "Grogu is my Brogu." <laughs> <laughs> So that's you can, amazing. You can, it, it's a long sleeve because we're about to get into our, our cold winter months here. Um, so you can walk around with your Grogu and let everybody know that he's your Brogu. <laughs> I love that. I mean, this this totally plays on us too and doing the broisms yes. and stuff like that too. So, oh man, that's exciting. <laughs> and it is long sleeve. It'll go well with my new Patagonia. I remember we, we were uh, texting a while ago or maybe we were chatting or something. And I said that I wanted to see if either Brogu or Manbro were available as vanity license plates <laughs> in our in our great state of Pennsylvania. And and uh, I I never I never checked, but oh. you t- you told me to stay away from Manbro because it's it's just too much man in there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did say that. You got the word man and bro. I'm like it's oh, too much. That's a testosterone filled. Yes, uh, vanity license plate right yep. there. And as we've learned from the good place. Uh, vanity license plates are one of the the items on the litmus test. You lose points. You lose points for for vanity <laughs> license plates. Jason lost one for going. Yeah, man, I love butts or whatever. Right. Yeah. So if I drove around with Mambro for the rest of my life, then I would lose like a thousand points. Yeah, something like that. Th- there's our there's our obligatory good uh good place good reference. place reference. Thank you, man. You're welcome. I'm excited by these. All right, let me let me. I'm just briefly admiring your wrapping job. This is really well done. It's all symmetrical. Nicely taped up and stuff. Just rip it open. Um, I'm not that just... in love with it. <laughs> just rip it open. What is this? Is this uh Is this the next calendar? I think so. It's the 2021 day to time calendar. Um, this is awesome because I've had one all of 2020, yes, and you I have. did not buy one for 2021. I know. I texted your wife to make sure you did. Okay, smart move. <laughs> um, this has been a, a real treat. Uh. Because every day you rip off a page and then you learn a little bit about it's either a character or a place or sometimes it gets really technical and it gets into like the components of a droid or a weapon or whatever. So I'm, I'm really excited for this one. It looks like they did something a little bit different with uh, the format of the page. There's some arabesque on there, which is not 
the case this past year. I but expect you to be fluent by the end of the year. I, I'll do my best. <laughs> but dude, that's awesome. Thank you so much. This this is truly yeah. uh, something you enjoy every single day, or I enjoy every single day. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be messaging you what it is every day too. Perfect. Yeah, I figured you. I, I just hope that they don't put like the same stuff that they put in this in twenty twenty and the twenty twenty one. Yeah, so that's a good point. Let me know. Hopefully, you got to you got to find a way to mix it up a little bit. I'm hoping like maybe there'll be some Mandalorian stuff in here because there was not really. Yeah. In in this past one. Well, it's got, I mean, the image on the front of it is Last Jedi, so. Cool. I, mean, I don't know what they'll put in it. Who knows? Yeah, facts about your favorite characters, creatures, places, and tech. So they, they've got uh, a big pool of stuff to pull from. Yeah. Um, all recycled paper, too. Nice. There you go. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Added bonus. Yes, All right, sir. that was number one. Good thing we both got each other too. Gosh, that would have been embarrassing. Uh, and and this one, this one says on here uh, to my bro host from your bro host. <laughs> yeah, I got very creative. <laughs> this is actually something with Susan and me and I. Uh, we get very creative with what we put on the front of them. Oh, do you? Yeah, I didn't. This know year, that. I, on one of them, I said uh, to um, you know to sweetie from who else. <laughs> I literally wrote who else. <laughs> okay, this is this is called the Star Wars book from dk who is a reputable publisher on the subject uh it says expand your knowledge of a galaxy far far away so this has oh my gosh this is like a a textbook with all different i'm seeing timelines i'm seeing pictures i'm seeing quotes i'm seeing like schematics uh let me look at the table of contents here um so an intro to the galaxy and then it gets into science and technology and then the force and the skywalkers galactic governments and their dissidents oh my goodness this is going to be a treat. I read a, a review on it. So uh, spoiler, I, I already bought one for myself too. Okay, nice. Okay. Um, so I had this too. <laughs> it, it's it's meant to be more of a companion, especially for people like us who just need like a quick reference guide. Okay. Um, and the way that they they were uh, pitching it. Uh, so authors, if you turn to the front, it's Pablo Hidalgo. Yes. Uh, Dan, remind me the names as you read them. Uh, Cole Horton. Cole Horton, yep. And Dan. Dan Zare. Dan Zare, that's right. And it was funny because I commented on Twitter on one of Dan Zare's uh, things and, and he liked it back. And I go, oh, by the way, I just got your book and I'm going through it. It looks great. Thank you. And and he wrote back. And I'm like, no problem. I was like, yay, Dan. Wow. Dan. He, so he's the uh, um, main contributor in, uh, on the coffee with kenobi podcast oh okay that's where i know the name from yeah very cool and so the three of them came together wrote this book together and created it's not really meant to be an encyclopedia but kind of your one-stop shop for if i need to have a quick reference of something and and it's meant to be kind of a companion for people like us who just need to look something up real quick like it would have been great to have this and look at the droid section when we did the yeah. droid episode oh the, you're so right um the non-sentient beings and things like that yeah, so like I'm I'm uh open to the BB eight page and it's saying here's the planet where he was constructed, here's how old he is, here are his abilities, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of really quick um at your fingertips type information that's useful. Super cool. It's organized again, not like an encyclopedia. In some cases it goes into like one character specifically, but then sometimes it's just like, all right, we're gonna talk about the rebellion here. Cool. And here we're gonna talk about um the first order a little bit and 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 kind of all these different things. And the other thing that it was trying to do was bring together every piece of content into mm-hmm. the story. So it's not just a cinematic content. It's also trying to bring in the comics and the video games and all the other things that, you know, we may not all have time for. Mm-hmm. And if you may not be, you may not be able to make time for it. 
you can just quickly go and, and read about it in I here love and it. get what you need out of it. So super practical. That it was supposed to be a practical thing, not something that you read cover to cover. So I'm not expecting to be like, I finished the Star Wars book. But I might. But you might. I might do. <laughs> I, I expect it to be more like, oh, I really want to know about this. And you go and look that thing up. Cool. So I got one for myself because I was so excited for it. And I figured it would be like us as we do this podcast. We could reference it. Yeah. Very, I'm, I'm going to keep that handy as we go through these. Yeah. yeah. We don't have to turn to Wikipedia all the time. Right. Which is <laughs> which is a great resource. It but, is. Yeah. Um, I didn't even turn to it once for this. Yeah. I think this whole episode. So that's good to know. Anyway. So that is our episode. We have hit the two hour mark. Wow. Holy cow. I've got a lot of editing to do. So this might not be two hours by the time this actually comes out. But we wanted to say a, a, a couple parting words to all of our fans. Thank you uh, for listening, for being there. Uh, now that The Mandalorian is over and you're you're starving for more Star Wars content, turn to us. We'll keep you entertained for the next few months as you wait for the next bit of Star Wars content to keep coming out. And, of course, keep you appraised of everything as it as it unfolds. Uh, in terms of the comics or news about what we just talked about today, we'll be here to uh, discuss it all and, and give you our reactions. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to us. We want to wish you a, a safe and happy holidays and hope that you enjoy some time with family, with friends in a safe way. And more importantly, you know, we, we hope that you'll continue to engage with us as we move into the new year. We hope it's a great new year for all of us. It's been a hard year this year, but we can only hope for better things to come. If you want to reach out to us and connect, we are at Star Bros Podcast on Twitter. You can email us at the Star Bros Podcast at gmail.com. And have I forgotten another way? Facebook is the other Facebook. way <laughs> that you can get in touch with us. I yep. forget sometimes. Uh, so thank you, Jan. Any other parting words you want to share? No, just uh, a happy, a few happy belated, happy belated Diwali, happy belated um, Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, Merry, Qu- Merry Christmas. Um, Happy New Year, belated Happy Life Day, whatever it is that you're celebrating. Um, we hope that you find a way to do it in a safe way uh, that uh, is meaningful to you. And I'll just second your gratitude and say thank you so much for being a part of this awesome first year of podcasting for us. It's hard to believe that it's yeah. already coming to a close, but we're looking ahead uh, with a lot of hope in our hearts for a very happy, healthy 2021. And we hope that you'll join us on the journey. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so for this episode mm-hmm. and for the year 2020 <laughs> as part of the Star Bros podcast, I have one thing left to say. What's that? It's a wrap! <laughs> <laughs>